Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super efficient system, you should call BDAC 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on Current News and Events. The show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. And that's right. That's what we're going to do. The Doc Green Show is live and on the air. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. Please share that with all your friends. And I think we're live on Facebook as well, but it's not updating, so I'm not not quite sure how that's working. But we're trying to be in two places at one time. You should be able to hear everything uh, clearly, and uh, particularly on Facebook. I've been working on that, so I'm looking uh, looking in there to see if anybody's uh, getting that. Um, we're trying to get all these platforms to work together, guys, and I, I think it's possible. It just takes a little bit of time. But that's what we're doing here on the Doc Green Show. And today in studio, we have a special treat. Our uh, good friend, Captain Tommy Attaway, the author of that fabulous book, We Defy. And for those of you that are watching on the YouTube channel, uh, you can see he's working on a little project over there. Good good afternoon, Tommy. Good afternoon. Appreciate you uh, driving in from Dallas today. Um, the... Um, I'm going to go ahead and post this up on Facebook, too, by the way. We we are live on Facebook. 
and uh, you can get in there and take a look at it. But uh, Tommy's got a little project he's working on. Now, you were up there Saturday, and we had a, I think we had a really good time. You gave a great speech. Yeah, it's always great to see all of the uh, Patriot community in the state, and uh, I really was impressed with uh, the talk given by Shuise uh, Fernicum. Uh, you know, obviously she's a little bit nervous speaking, but what she had to say was very impressive, and it, it just shows the quality of man that Lavoie was by raising such a daughter. That's uh, sort of the feeling I got because I thought it was nothing short of excellent. Uh, I thought she was a, a really attractive young lady and, and well-spoken and very poised. Definitely, yeah, very articulate. And, uh, you know, she called it like it was and, you know, had a, a message for those that weren't there. Indeed, she did. Um, once again, let me know on the Facebook Live channel if we've got all the audio problems fixed there. I'm sorry you're not going to be able to see Tommy on the Facebook Live channel. If you want to see everything in the studio, the best way to do that is to go to hashtag AmazingDocGreenShow on YouTube. Or I'm told you can just now type in Doc Green and it comes up. Don't forget there's an E on the end of green. But uh, we'd love to have you there. And, of course, we have a chat room on the YouTube channel as well. That's the one I primarily monitor, though I am looking at Facebook and uh, trying to keep an eye on that as well. Uh, hey, Brenda Vaughn has uh, chimed in there. I think you know Brenda pretty well. Oh, absolutely. You? She's uh, Wise County Director for Freedom Texas. Well, speaking of Freedom Texas, let's talk about Freedom Texas a little bit. Why is there a such thing as Freedom Texas? Well, what we see is the inevitability of the current political path leading to a probable breakup of the United States. And it, it's a depressing thought, but nonetheless, so we have to be realistic in, in what we're seeing. And if we look at, we tend to, to focus on single issues with organizations, but they're all interrelated, and it's part of what I was talking about last night with the Freedom Texas folks in Cleburne. That, okay, you know, we look at, okay, there's a lot of illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. Okay, and obviously that's a, a problem because that, for several reasons. Obviously, one is when you've got a bunch of people that are going to, at some point, get a case of sudden jihad syndrome. You know, that's <laughs> obviously a, a danger to the public. It also depresses wages by having people who are really unqualified to have any sort of real job requiring real skills because now the people who high school kids you know those just out of school who would get their first job and start to acquire skills don't because they're undercut by all of these illegals and well, of course that, yeah that, and that's what I've, I've noticed in my own life i mean i remember as a as a young man, one of the first jobs I got was washing windows at the Ranger Hotel. I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 14. Yeah, and, you know, kids would just go around and, you know, hey, have you, you got anything that needs to be done? You know, how much would you pay me? Okay, well, you know, if you clean up the yard here, you know, I'll give you a dollar. Oh, all right, fine. You know, now all of that is heavily regulated by the appropriate authorities. <laughs> the appropriate authorities, yes, indeed. And, of course, large business likes this because what you're doing with free trade agreements is you can now move all of your industrial production out of the United States, get that cheap labor, bring things in at low or low cost, and sell it at the same price in the market 
And, of course, that throws all of our folks out of work. But this isn't just, and it's interrelated even further. By doing this, it depresses wages, and it also depresses the cost of supplying products because all of the business guys who rely on this manufacturer know that they can squeeze their suppliers, and they do. We see a lot of that going on. I know in one particular case, um, I, I have a supplier that, uh, well, he, he works for the guys in my industry, and, I mean, I, I found him a Best Buy buying televisions. And he said, you know, and I asked him about that, and he said, well, you know, I can buy them here as cheap as I can buy them direct from the manufacturer. He said, Best Buy's not making any money on them. And, uh, and he said, I don't make any money on them either, but I want to make sure that I can spy my, my manufacturers. Of course, one of the things that he worried about greatly was that uh, Samsung's not making any money on these TVs either. Yeah, and it, it serves to depress the price of products and the price of labor all across the board and the people who benefit from this make contributions to the political system in order to keep that thing going. And it's financed by bankers and uh, banking corporations who, because interest rates are artificially low, basically get free money printed by the Fed and can go play games in the stock market. And, you know, that's why we have things the way that they are today. You know, you see stock market record high, record high, record high, day after day. Well, yeah, every, day. the economy must be fabulous because I've never seen the stock market this high ever. Now, of course, anyone who actually does grocery shopping, you know, has noticed that while the price remains the same, the size of the packages shrink. That's right. And a, and a can of corn, I mean, what you pay today for a can of corn is a ridiculous sum. Uh, in the in the old days, well, this is why this goes back to the thing that you had in your book, uh, We Defy, you know, where where people were getting paid in silver dollars, you know. And I think you said to me one time, you know, if I asked you if you'd come and paint my house for ten bucks, you'd probably say no. But if I asked you if you'd come paint my house for ten silver dollars, you might get a different response. Yes, indeed. And uh, something I decided I would just try out, and it's it's actually worked to a certain degree, though there are very few people that actually have silver dollars anymore, very few people that even collect precious metals. Um, they like those greenbacks, and on the greenback it says uh, something like backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. Uh, it used to. Now what you've got is a little note that usually says this, net is le- this note is legal tender for all debts, public or private. Now, if I go back and look at some of my old stuff, because I'm a collector and I collect old things, I go back to a $2 bill printed in, say, 1928, it'll say something like this. The United States of America promises to pay the bearer on demand, however, you know, in this case, $2, in lawful money. Lawful money? What does that mean? Silver dollars. Oh, <laughs> that is lawful money. So anything else is uh, kind of well. You're you're a computer guy, kind of like vaporware. Exactly. It's pretty much like uh, you know just ones and zeros out there in cyberspace. But where I was going to complete the thought is that art the inflation rate and is being kept artificially low because the other people that benefit from this is the government. You know, if you look at government bonds, they're now yielding uh, somewhere around 2%, give or take, you know, a little bit less. 
historically, they've yielded 5% interest. So if we didn't have this artificially low forces that are depressing the price of products, depressing the price of labor, people would be getting pay raises. And those pay raises would start to make the inflation really noticeable because that would start the cycle. And what's important about that is that the federal government's deficit this year is $600 billion. If they had to pay 5% interest on those $20 trillion worth of treasury bonds out there, the deficit would go up to a trillion dollars. Wow. Well, this is one of the one of the problems that we're facing. I, I posted on my Facebook uh, last uh, week after, in fact, I was up in Dallas with you uh, that weekend. Uh, the bankers got together in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they said, uh, what we want to do is we want all of the governments to increase their debt level, and we're going to finance this with inflation. Of course. So, for example, the goal of the Federal Reserve is 2% inflation every year because they think nobody notices that. But the impact of that... I'm noticing. I'm noticing. Well, the impact is, okay, if you take $100 and let 2% inflation eat at that $100 for 30 years, you get $55 back. Wow. And so what's happening is that all of this debt that all of the bankers want to be issued, first of all, they get a piece of the action when they sell it. So they get you know, usually 1% of the value of the bonds they take when they sell them. Yeah. Then, of course, you know, through all of the trading that goes on, uh, they take a cut of that action. You know, it's like whenever you, you meet with a stockbroker and, you know, you're looking, there's the stockbroker's yacht and the stockbroker's mansion, and, okay, great, but where are the customers? <laughs> yeah, where are the customers? Where, where are the customers? Um, you know, so the financial system takes a piece of the action, and, of course, governments benefit from inflation because they've essentially borrowed $100, and 30 years later they're going to pay back 55 well, that's how it was always done, and that used to work fairly well. But I think one of the problems we're having now is governments like China, for instance, have figured out that this is not necessarily a good deal for them. Well, if you look at prosperous countries, are always countries that make things, and they have restrictive immigration policies. So not just anybody can jump in and be part of the fun. And I'll use Switzerland as an example. Population about seven and a half million. Mm-hmm. You can't just move there. You know they're very serious about letting out uh, residence permits and, and work permits. In other words, you actually have to have something of value that they need before they will let you in. Correct. And they manage the economy rather well, so that you have more jobs than people. So twenty percent of the people living in Switzerland are not Swiss, because mm-hmm. the economy is that large. And as one of my neighbors said, you know, he was, like, getting really frustrated because well, you just, like, can't hire a Swiss citizen for anything less than 50,000 Swiss francs a year. <laughs> you know, they just won't work for, for lower wages. But they'll do the job. They'll you do just the have job. to pay them. You just have to pay them. Well, now, wouldn't it be, be great happening. if we had that happening here? That could be happening here. That's the whole thing. And I... Look, I'm perfectly willing to pay $10 for a head of lettuce if it's picked by one of my uh, brother Texans. Yeah, and if you pay for it in silver, you won't even have to pay a dollar. That's exactly the point that we're trying to make here. 
And that's why I offer a deal on uh, on the radio here in Houston uh, on my other show. And I tell everybody, all right, you get this fantastic $500 value for just 200 bucks, but if you pay me in silver dollars, I'll do it for just 10 bucks. Yeah. It has to be a real silver dollar. It can't be that Susan B. Anthony slug thing. Uh, you know, they used to make those, put them in, in Coke machines, and that was stealing. Yeah. Now the government makes them, and it's okay. Well, it's not illegal when the government does it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's the whole point. You get back down to it. Uh, the sad part is your money, whatever you have in your pocket today, because of what the Federal Reserve has done to it, is worth about one-twentieth of what it was in the mid-60s as far as buying power. Right, and so the example that I use is, okay, in 1964, we go to the gas station, you know, a gallon of gas, what, 19.9? Mm-hmm. But anyway, basically 20 cents a gallon, two silver dimes. Okay. So if I take those same two silver dimes, sell them on the market, and I get, oh, about $1.25, $1.30 for each of them, I could still buy a gallon of gas with those two silver dimes. That tells you everything you need to know. I mean, it was uh, somebody else uh, that uh, was running a commercial. I've referenced it before here, but for the new listeners, uh, you know, uh, you, you go back uh, to the 1950s, uh, you could buy a, a man's finely tailored suit uh, for, for a $20 gold piece. Yeah, and you still can. You still can. You you can get a you can get a really nice Imani suit for a twenty dollar gold piece, or if you don't have a twenty dollar gold piece, then you can you know use your credit card and buy it for about thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah. So you know the point is is that it's really hard to fake silver and gold, but you can print as much paper as you want. That's the problem. And it was I believe Richard uh, Milhouse Nixon that said you know this whole uh, gold standard thing's a real hindrance to prosperity. Yeah, so that took he took us off the the gold standard in '72. Uh, it had only been kind of a a notional thing at thirty five dollars an ounce because that was only used for international payments, and the European uh, community abandoned the gold standard. Then the U.S. did shortly thereafter, and you know it's been downhill ever since. Well, that's that's why today we have to bring in all these uh, foreign illegal workers, uh, you know, coming across our southern border. Uh, I, I understand now uh, it's uh, it's abated somewhat. It's only about five thousand a week now coming across our southern border. What progress? Yes, indeed. So uh, some of us out there asking the question, uh, Governor, what the heck are you doing? And that was what we went up there, you know, we went up there to ask the governor those questions the other day. I mean, that was one of the one of the big issues, one of the things that we wanted to ask Governor Abbott um, was, why are you not doing anything meaningful? Now, the last time I got a chance to ask him that question face-to-face, he gave me his long spiel about, you know, they're spending nearly a billion dollars, and they got a uh, patrol torpedo boat, boat, they run up and down the river once a month, and then they put it back in the garage, and uh, they've uh, they put more more DPS agents down there. Now, Tommy, you used to guard the border. I mean, do you do you hire uh, the highway patrol? Do you do you, do you hire cops to to control the border? Uh, no, because what we're saying when we do that is okay. Illegally entering Texas is kind of like a speeding ticket. And I'm thinking, so what kind of real discouragement does that provide? Because even if they do round them up, they turn them over to the border patrol and they go with, through the catch and release program. The whole point of real border security is what we called in the military interdiction. 
which is you don't let anybody through. You turn them back. Well, that's the way it was supposed to work. But, uh, you know, we're a benevolent country here. We do a lot of good things for people who break into our country. I mean, what happens if you break into a country like Germany? If you just show up one day and you've got no papers, I mean, how, how are you treated? Uh, well, now you get welfare and everything. So, you know, it's oh, pretty well. good. Yeah. All right. So, Maybe so, that's uh, why millions of people are doing it. Angela Merkel has done, done Germany a favor. I wonder what would happen if you showed up, uh, for instance, uh, in, in uh, China with uh, no papers. I think you would be introduced to the Chinese prison system, and you probably wouldn't like it. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I think that it might not work out well for you. And then if uh, you survived that, then I'm sure they would throw you someplace, but you certainly wouldn't be remaining in China. So it would seem the way that we're doing things here in the United States is kind of just screwed up. Well, it is, but you've got to remember that a lot of charitable organizations get money from the government in order to do these programs. Well, that's true, and that's what we're seeing. Like, for instance, that uh, private prison system, I believe ACA is their uh, their acronym. Uh, but, uh, but I'm talking your church. You know, your your church will usually have some sort of charitable relief organization, and they'll get money from the government to resettle refugees. Yes. And so I have an, an interesting conversation with the head of this program at my church about, you know, you're, you're really – aiding and abetting an invasion of the United States, and things are not going to go well. And I, and I get to, <laughs> and, and he said? <laughs> and, and she said, oh, but we've got to help all of these poor people. And I say, oh, I noticed that you're not putting them up in your home. <laughs> no, she's not being that helpful, then, is she? Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and that, that's when she gave you a look uh, that we usually reserve, for instance, to roadkill? Yeah, that, that sort of thing. It, it, it's the... Who is this guy, and how do I get rid of him? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think I finally got the Facebook thing working now. I, I see Peggy on there. Peggy, let me know how the sound quality is, uh, because we were having an issue with that earlier, and I want to make sure you can hear my guest, Tommy, even if you can't see him. He's here in the studio. But, yes, we have a serious illegal immigration problem here. At the same point in time, we've got 95 million Americans out of work. Uh, we've got a lot of Americans now that haven't had a job in five years, Tommy. Quite true. And the other interesting statistic is that one person in four that is employed in the United States is not a U.S. citizen. That's the other problem. Uh, somebody did some research and said, well, we've created a lot of new jobs. But uh, did some research on that, found out most of those new jobs are going to aliens, in many cases illegal aliens. Yeah, so let's say that maybe you've been in the computer industry and you were a programmer and you've been laid off because some guy in, in India now does your job. And so when you start looking for other jobs here in the United States, you'll end up talking to some IT recruiter, and the guy's name is probably Patel. <laughs> Sad but true. I know a lot of Patels. I don't, I don't mind when the Patels own hotels uh, necessarily, as long as they're paying for them with their own money. But I do mind... When we've seen, for instance, uh, Disney Disneyland, yeah, uh, they forced their employees to hire their foreign counterparts to replace them. Well, and the tech industry is particularly egregious in this regard. And of course, uh, I've worked there. And one of the changes over time is that the the guys back in the '60s and the '70s recognized that what you were selling was brain power. 
you know, when I came to a prospective client and said, okay, you know, let's look at a, an appropriate technology to help make your business run better, mm-hmm. it was really brain power that you were selling. And because what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the increased efficiency that makes the cost of your IT project worthwhile, return on investment. So that means that if you're an IT executive, you need to hire the most talented people possible because their ability to think through these problems and come up with efficient solutions and effectively program them is what makes your business work. And so if you look in terms of assets, liabilities, your people are assets because what your task as a manager is, is to get the maximum value out of that productive asset. Yes. That changed in the dot-com era. Now employees are liabilities because you have to pay them money. Yes, and you have to put them on Obamacare. And you have to put them on Obamacare. And you know, all and that of, costs money. And that costs money. So when you've got a, an option and it, it becomes now very attractive that, okay, so maybe I do have to hire three guys in India to do the same quality of work that one uh, well-educated programmer from UC Berkeley used to be able to do. But, you know, I hire those guys. They cost me maybe 15000 a year as opposed to the guy I fired that was making 120000 a year. I think I come out ahead. Now, of course, my customers tend to get angry when nothing works. But, hey, that's the thing about the IT business. You can fire your customers and get away with it. <laughs> if you have enough of them. Uh, yeah, me, meanwhile, Frank said also most of the jobs are supposedly created, Frank is my producer, mm-hmm. are all low-wage, part-time jobs. And if one man gets two part-time jobs, that counts as two jobs created. So the U.S. economy is really losing jobs while at the same time they're saying they're getting jobs. But this is something that I pointed out. And i got to say hello to uh, Bobby Ritter uh, with uh, Rage Against the Regime Radio. He's uh, All right. he's logged in here. And Peggy Barnett, of course, one of the friends of the show, got to, got to see her on Saturday. Lovely lady. Um, this is one of the problems that we've had is you've got to have an absolute minimum 250,000 new jobs every month to break even. Yeah, so when they announce, oh, we've created 130,000 jobs this month. Well, I mean, you're not even keeping up with population growth. No, that's the problem. You've got these people entering the workforce, they can't find jobs. And uh, I, I, was, I was loving it this morning. I heard somebody that uh, they, they brought in a clip. I think it was Scott Ford, actually, that brought it in. He brought in a clip of President Obama talking about these uh, uh, for-profit schools and how horrible they are because they get these grants, they train these people, teach them a job, and then they can't find a job. And Obama said, we're going to shut these schools down because they're misleading people, thinking they're teaching them how to do something, when in fact there are no jobs for them. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking while he's playing it, of course, this is Scott Ford's point. Well, wait a minute, Mr. President. Why are there no jobs for these guys? <laughs> they now have a skill. They've learned to do something, and you're saying there's no job. It was one of the, the great Perot lines about, oh, we're going to retrain everybody to have a high-tech job of the future. Well, by definition, the future isn't here yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to do that tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the point is we're not creating anything new. Yeah, the stock market's at an all-time high, but... My but it's all funny money games because, again, when government bonds are yielding 2%, 
who are you going to loan money to because, you know, businesses are high-risk ventures. You know, you play funny money games in the stock market because, okay, the money is free. And if you're a bank and you go bad, hey, the taxpayers will bail you out again. Well, I'm also told that they I – don't, I don't deal with the stock market, but I am told – that the volume is actually very low compared to what it used to be back in, uh, say, the, the 90s. Well, it's all program trading now. So as an individual investor, you're just along for the ride. And, you know, you're not going to make money in the stock market. That's sad. But, see, a lot of individual investors think they can. But it's really no different than going to Las Vegas in many cases. As an individual investor, it is. Now, your only hope is to put money in various mutual funds or retirement plans that are well-managed and hope that their program traders, you know, get you out before things go seriously bad and you only lose 10 or 15% rather than the 30 or 40, you know, people who really get soaked are, are going to get cut for as the individual trader because you're going to be the last order executed in, in line behind the guys who want to, you know, dump their 20 and 30,000 shares at a time. Well, I, uh, one of the things that I noticed, I had a friend, uh, he's from Greece and, uh, he moved here in the 60s, came here legally, I might add, and uh, moved here in the 60s. He said, uh, well, we're going to pick it up after the break. But uh, he said, when I came to the United States, he said, you could just pick up money off the ground. It was so easy to get money here, to make a job, to create a business. And now that's all gone away. We're going to be right back with a lot more for you. And I want to know from Facebook if you can hear the, uh, if you can hear the music playing on Facebook. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. 
the adhesive that we use is waterproof, the product is waterproof, and so therefore you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and gear it back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. And the measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. The doctor is in. And the doctor is in, and I want to thank you guys for being with us today. And it's good to see some old friends. I see my buddy Robert Hamer out there, and uh, Allison Fay, and Sherry Lopez. Glad to have you guys in the chat room. And, of course, Peggy Barnett. I didn't realize that Peggy uh, was an associate of my good friend Johnny Johnson. And, uh, of course, Johnny was... Uh, well, he, quite frankly, is one of my very closest friends. He and I flew all over the state of Texas together over over the years, and uh, and I miss him greatly. But uh, that just, that just brought you up another notch in my book, Peggy, knowing that you were a friend of his. So anyway, I appreciate you guys letting me know about the audio. Uh, this whole thing is a grand experiment, trying to broadcast um, on on American Voice Radio, which is the main affiliate that I'm on now, American Voice Radio. And that allows us to reach out to terrestrial radio stations all across the United States. And it was uh, great on my first day. I heard from a couple of guys in Kerrville said, man, you sounded great in the car out here today. Listen to you on the FM. And uh, so that's awesome. You can also do the Internet stream, and there are multiple Internet streams you can hit based on your data program and where you're listening. I mean, if you're on the big pipe at the house, uh, then... Uh, then you can uh, you can listen to it at full bandwidth. Uh, I think 56 megs, maybe 64 is their top bandwidth, but it sounds pretty good. If uh, if on the other hand you're like my buddy the postman, uh, who's uh, on a very skinny data plan, well we've got a very skinny stream you can use. And the sound quality's not as good, but you can hear it. You probably just won't enjoy it as much. So um, in any case. Uh, we're doing it today. I have my buddy Tommy Attaway in here. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention to you, Tommy Attaway wrote a fabulous book. And the name of that book is We Defy. And you can get it on Amazon.com. It's pretty inexpensive. And I enjoy I enjoy the book a lot. I sat down and read that book in about a four-hour period. Uh, just one morning, Saturday morning, I just sat down and read it cover to cover. Uh, I could hardly put it down. I'm kind of waiting uh, for the sequel at this point. Yeah, I'm working on that. Uh, the cover art isn't done. 
still got some editing to do. Um, still have some stuff that I, I wanted to finish out. And what uh, some of the problems we've been talking about today are in the first uh, few chapters of We Defy as the, okay, setting the stage of, okay, we know we got problems. We know they're serious problems. We know who's responsible. And the rest of We Defy is kind of, okay, so now what do we do about it in order to insulate ourselves from as many of the adverse consequences as we can? Well, I want to point out We Defy, what you're going to get in that book, first of all, it's an exciting read. Uh, The second thing that you're going to get in We Defy is a blueprint, a way that anybody listening, and I don't care what state of the union you are in, any state of the union, this will work. A way to solve your problems that are mostly created by an out-of-control federal government. Did I overstate that? I think that's the the premise of the whole bit. You know, you do have an out-of-control federal government. The sequel is going to look at a little bit more on what the state governments do as well. And, of course, because it's set in Texas, we're going to look at the state of Texas and and some interesting things that are peculiar to <laughs> Texas, such as uh, the way Child Protective Services will work. The Texas Commission on Environmental Quality is not going to come out well in this one. And, of course, uh, you know, if you want to be a barber in the state of Texas, well, you got to get a license for that. You just can't, like, do that sort of job. And, uh, you know, like fix air conditioners. Well, you know, you've got to be a licensed. You've got to be a licensed air conditioner. Tech. Air conditioner. You've got to have a license in. to be able to buy Freon. Yeah. And so, you know, otherwise people would just, who knows what would happen if you didn't have all of those licenses. People would just do stuff. Well, I, uh, yeah, people would just do stuff. You know, I, I, uh, Freedom Works uh, was very kind to my wife and I. They flew us up to Chicago for a conference up there. And uh, got to meet Babette Holder. She's a lovely young lady. And uh, at one of the things that came out during this conference, they had one of their state legislators uh, come in from Illinois, a black guy. And he said, here's the problem. He said, yeah, we got a lot of crime here in Illinois. Guess who's creating most of it? The state. Give you a perfect example. He said, you know, you get arrested, you go to prison. Well, they want to teach you to do something useful in prison, so they might teach you how to cut hair. Well, that's wonderful. Now you know how to cut hair. But the problem is you get out, and you've got to be a member of the union in Illinois. Right. And you can't be a member of the union if you have a felony on your record. There you go. So they teach these guys how to do something they're never going to let them do. Yeah, and and there's a whole industry that exists to support this. All right, somebody gets the state contract to teach all of these convicts these useless skills that they'll never be able to. They'll never be able to employ. They might be good skills. They're just not going to be able to use them in Illinois. Yeah, just not going to be able to use them in in that state. And, you know, this is one of the, the whole problems that we have all up and down the food chain, whether it be local, state, or national government, is that for every entity in that government, every bureau that exists, somebody benefits from that. Not only the employees who get those paychecks, but there's always some private organization that is intent on making that agency, that bureau, larger and bigger so it can distribute more money to, hey, that organization's members. Yeah, well, that's the politician. I mean, you know, the politician sits there and looks at that says, man, look at all that money. Think of all the good we could do with all that money. Yeah, right. And, of course, the and it's always the question then becomes, who defines what is good? Well, this is a problem, and this is something the, the libertarian professor, Scott Ford, has pointed out to me. He said uh, there are two ways to look at it. Either uh, human beings are 
absolutely horrible, despicable people, in which case, why would you want any of them to rule over you? Therefore, the argument for less government. Or humans are wonderful people, and uh, they're, they're intrinsically good, in which case, why would you want any of them to rule over you? Yeah. And so, you know, the libertarian in me says basically the following. When someone benefits monetarily from a government program, they're always going to want to make that program bigger and have more of it. And the problem with that is somebody, and it isn't you, is going to decide what is good. And you should probably decide what's good for you or yourself. Because we have, we then get the problem of where we are today, trying to force people to be good. And of course, we've tried this. And you know, if you want to see what a system looks like, whenever the government is going to force you to be good and not allow you to be bad, I give you Sierra Law. Yeah, but that uh, that's that's absolutely horrible. Well, but you know, you've got somebody who's obviously smarter and wiser than all of us deciding what good is. True enough. Uh, Phil Wade is clocked in, by the way, on uh, the YouTube uh, chat room. He said, we're in a crisis, but not to the melting point. And until we get there, the masses will remain asleep. Um, well, most people, I think, are just trying to survive, and that survival means, okay, I've still got a job. I've got a paycheck coming in. Okay, I can still make the rent. You know, I can still pay for the barely. car. Yeah. That's it. I'm not going to rock the boat because anything that rocks the boat is risk, and risk can only be bad. Yeah, but risk is what got us here. I saw a commercial today on uh, TV. Uh, it was a Hillary Clinton commercial, and she has this picture of some, some guy that's allegedly a veteran uh, with uh, his legs cut off in a wheelchair, and uh, then she's playing the, uh, the clip of Donald Trump talking about the sacrifices he's made. And with a question mark, Donald Trump has sacrificed? Um, that really made me sick to my stomach. And I'm going to clarify that for you for, for simply this reason. Tommy, uh, you've been in business most of your life since getting out of the military. I've been in business for most of my life. And when I wasn't in business, I was in upper-level management. You want to talk about sacrifice. Sacrifices all the years, for instance, when my kids were having uh, ball games when my kids were playing concerts and appearing in dramas. But, you see, I had to be at the store because if I wasn't at the store, the store wasn't going to work and we weren't going to have a paycheck. Now, Hillary wouldn't call that sacrifice. Indeed, Hillary wouldn't even know what that means because you didn't build that. I didn't build that. And now here I am. I've got a company. I've got, I've got a huge job going right now, at least it's huge by today's standards. Back in the other days, it was a small enough project, and I might have turned it to someone else. Yeah. Uh, but so today we're doing a $40,000 project uh, putting in a sound system in a restaurant. It's going to be an outstanding sound system. But I find myself that, uh, you know, I, I have some nights I wake up in the middle of the night saying, oh, my God, did the guys run the wire for that? Is it in the right place? And then sometimes I'll get up early, early in the morning, and I'll run down all the way downtown and walk in and look just to see. Now, is that sacrifice, or should Hillary make fun of me? Because I don't know what sacrifice means. Now, I always find it amusing when people who have never had a job in the private sector, never signed a paycheck, uh, you know, never had to make that decision as to, you know, can we afford to keep employees next month, you know, lectures the rest of the world 
okay, uh, about how to run a business and how well you know they're living and and such. Um, and, and that's generally why they shouldn't be in charge of anything. And so one of the obviously one of the the principles here is that when government is doing what it is not supposed to be doing, all it does is interfere with the people who are trying to get something done. And the economy would work real fine if you just let the small business owners go out there. And the only role for government is to ensure that the playing field is level. And by that, I mean adjudicating honest disputes. And whenever you've got government regulations or government programs that are going to favor one company over another by getting government contracts, you're distorting the economy. And of course, the the economist in me and, and the, the MBA guy in me, you know, I'm all about what I call barriers to entry to the market, you know, which is, you know, I want to prevent any of my competitors from being able to do business so I get all the business for myself. Now, normally, if it's a real free market economy, I've got to then compete every day if I want that to happen. Well, that's one of the wonderful things about Texas, and quite frankly, it has at times frustrated me. And i got to welcome Jonathan Goff to the show, as well as Allison Fay. And Allison Fay said, we've allowed it to get this bad. Um, I, want, I want to come back to her comment here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, as, as a low-voltage contractor, you know, doing sound systems, uh, primarily residential, so I do some uh, commercial stuff. But there was a point in time when it really irritated me that anybody could go out and make a magnetic sign and put it on his mobile, and he was in the sound business. And it used to really irritate me, but then I, I one day realized, but no, that's the way free enterprise should be. The question is, if he's going to compete with me, and the only thing he has is lower price, I've got to sell what I do better and convince people that they should spend that money with me. And to this day, I am proud to say I've never been the low bidder on a job, ever. Yeah, as one of our, our good consultants when I was working at Perot Systems put it, there's three ways that you can compete. You can compete on what's called intellectual property, meaning I'm the only guy that can do this. Therefore, if you want it, you've got to come see me. I can compete based on price, meaning I'm the low-price guy, which means you'll eventually end up on the sidewalk with a little handmade sign that says, we'll fix computers for food. (laughs) Or you can compete on what he called intimacy with the customer, which is that you take care of your customer's you can anticipate their needs, you can service their needs, and they are so happy that you are one of their suppliers that whenever they need something, they call you first. And that's where we've always tried to find our niche. I mean, today I was out uh, visiting a client that uh, we we picked up as a new client, I guess, probably about eight years ago. But they wouldn't consider calling anyone else. You know, she said this morning, well, you know, all my friends use the Geek Squad. I tell them, look, you're nuts. Why don't you hire a real professional? Yeah, who only have to do it once. <laughs> yeah, so it's, for the, for this, I'm grateful. Thank, thank you, Martin, if you're listening. I appreciated that. It was very nice. Um, well, is, it, it's one of, like, my IT project stories. So we're going to execute this project. And, of course, you know, it's got a budget. It's got a timeline. It's got a duration. And the budget's usually thin. It's it's relatively thin, but it's okay. You know, it was all within the parameters. I, I was good with it because it was going to be good business for us. And so I, I bring in my guys who are paid very well. 
And so the customer gets the, the bill for the first month's work, and then they have the heart attack because, oh, it, it's just like, ah, you know, this is much more than we expected. And, you know, and we go through all that, and I say, it's going to be fine. The next month, we're done, and they get the next bill. And so a four-month project has been done in less than two, and it comes in at 30% under budgeted cost, and all of my staff get a nice 10% bonus. Everybody wins. Everybody wins because, again, this is back to brain power. <laughs> I sell brain power. And you brought in the appropriate brain power to solve the problem, fixed it, and did it ahead of schedule and under budget. And everybody goes away happy. I love that. You see, that's kind of what we try to do here, you know. Is, And I looked at another job I, I did for this restaurateur here in Houston, and I ended up putting a lot of extra work into that job because – uh, part of it's because I have OCD pretty bad. But, you know, once I've made the sale, it's really important to me to over-deliver. Yeah. And uh, so I put a lot of extra into it because I wanted to make sure the client was happy. And then when we get down to final bill, you know, my uh, accountants uh, point out, well, you know, you had, you had, you know, 10 extra hours of labor on this thing. That's a lot of money because I have expensive guys. I don't have any, I don't have any minimum wage people here. And I said, you know, that guy's been a good client for a long time. Let's just eat it. We're, we're not going broke on this one. Uh, let's just eat it. And occasionally what we would do as a, a strategy, which is that if we were going to deliver something extra that wasn't budgeted, wasn't in it, we'd go ahead and itemize it on the invoice with a no charge. And what we're trying to do there is document for the customer. We've delivered something of value. We decided not to charge you for it. You know, It's a goodwill gesture on our part. Because we care. Because we care. And, you know, so that way, whenever they start looking at the next project along and they start comparing, okay, bids and stuff, says, oh, these guys, you know, they, they did good work for us, and there's stuff they didn't even charge us for. You know, I'm not feeling real comfortable. I don't, I don't like risk, and so I'll go with the guys I've gone with before. Well, that's what we try to do. We try to mitigate that because of the, the element of trust. That's also very important. Hillary could learn. Um, but uh, yeah, Some John, people are beyond learning. Jonathan said, I was competing against companies that worked with lots of illegal help and come to find out the federal government gave those companies those contracts instead of my company, and now those companies are multi-billion dollar companies using all, all illegal aliens. This does not help anybody. I, I had, um, oh my goodness, what was her name? Lovely lady. It'll come to me in a minute, but she was here in studio. Sarah Blackwell? Yes, yeah, Sarah Blackwell. Thank you. She's an attorney, does a lot of pro bono work, but she has uncovered where even right here in my beloved Republic of Texas, we are spending millions of dollars, and it's going to people who live in other countries instead of paying taxes to do that work. And, again, this is, goes back to, you know, I, I think, you know, three interrelated issues. First of all, you've got government doing stuff it shouldn't be doing, which means big government, lots of money, they get careless, which means that there are people whose real skill is their ability to elbow everybody else out of the way to get to the front <laughs> of the line and scarf those government contracts. And a lot of that is, is a skill. For instance, you can learn how to bid for government contracts. There are actually classes that teach you how to bid for government contracts because if you don't do it exactly right, you don't even get close to, to getting yeah. the contract. You won't even get considered. So by the time this uh, something actually comes out for bid, 
they go through and eliminate everybody that they don't like who's not a qualified bidder. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he didn't check all of the right boxes, or you know, don't have the right diversity beans, or you know, whatever else is going to be the criteria for this contract being awarded, which is going to be, and I assure you, absolutely nothing to do with your ability to do the job. Well, I once got a government contract uh, the old-fashioned way. Uh, the guy that needed it done knew that I had the skills to do it. And uh, therefore, uh, you know, he streamlined the fact that I got my paperwork certified so that I could work for the government. Yeah, and the one experience I had with that in the Army where we had uh, something that was going to go out for bid, and the politics being the way it was, there was this one company that was going to get the contract no matter what. So the bid was written in such a way that only that company could fulfill it. I have I have had that experience. In fact, uh well, in one case, I had a guy come into my store. He said that he worked for the school district, and uh, it was in another city here in Texas. So much I'm going to say about it. He worked for the school district. Came in and said, look, we got $10,000 left over in our budget. We have to spend it. We have to spend it in two weeks. If we don't spend it, we're going to lose it. What do you have that I can buy for $10,000? And then they had to put it up for bids. And that was exactly it. So the, the spec was written so that only the exact system that we had decided we were going to have would fit that bill. And it made it virtually impossible for any of the other electronics purveyors to match it because they would not have that exact combination of equipment with those exact specs. Makes you proud to be a taxpayer, doesn't it? Oh, man. Well, time. I was just glad to get the commission. I was a young man, and it was, uh, it was you know, I see a store manager and... And it looked good on my, uh, you know, yeah. on, my, on my commission report that I brought this bid in. But unfortunately, too much government business gets done like that. And I don't know, I don't know how we, how we're going to solve that problem in the new Republic of Texas, Tommy. Uh, again, when government is limited to only the things that it should be doing, uh, there's much more limited opportunities for that sort of mischief to occur. And you know, uh, to me, that's the the first step. Yeah, and the, the second step is, you know, one of the things I'll say about German-speaking countries, mm-hmm. they do have a bureaucracy. Having spent a lot of time in Germany, you would know this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but, but it's a, an efficient and it's an honest bureaucracy. So, you know, if in order to get something, I've got to, like, fill out this form, all you do is fill out the form and turn it in, and it, it's got to be stamped. You've got to have that rubber stamp. That's extremely important in, in German-speaking countries. Because once your form is stamped, you're good. You get it. No problem. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, i got to jump through all of these hoops, but, you know, they're not insurmountable, and you just, like, follow the, the rules, and it works. And eventually you get the stamp. And you eventually get the stamp, and so, you know, whatever it was that you, you wanted, you, you get. But a lot of times it really helps if you get some inside knowledge, somebody that's willing to help you just a little bit. Oh, that's in English-speaking countries. That's the way English-speaking countries work. Oh, it doesn't work that way in Germany. No, you know, the, the bureaucracy is not, they're not people on power trips. You know, so the, the, the ego, the, the whole way of looking at things is very different based on, on culture. And, of course, what we have is we have an empowerment bureaucracy, which is, is based on, hey, I'm now in a position of power. Well, I have the uh, authority to ruin people's lives or make certain people successful. 
Well, I, I, I'm not even going to say it here on the show. I just get in trouble. But I, I, uh, I watched a TV show called Lilyhammer, and it was about a, a guy who was in the witness protection program, ends up in Lilyhammer, Norway, and here's an American, you know, entrepreneurial type of guy. I mean, he's a crook. He's like Hillary Clinton, but uh, entrepreneurial kind of guy, and he's over there trying to trying to get stuff done, and he's running into this government bureaucracy at every step of the way. Yeah, now Scandinavia is different. I mean, it's just a, a bureaucracy that's nothing more than just uh, uh, molasses combined with cement. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the way it looked, and, of course, uh, but once again, he discovered over there that, that there are some things that work universally. Money, yeah, properly applied, still works, even in a country like that. And if money doesn't work, well, knowing, knowing a little key information and being willing to, to get that to the right people can often grease the skids a little bit. So that's, uh, that's what he found. But too much of the time, we're living in an organized crime family here in the United States. And, and I, I will ask you, you've heard me ask the question a million times, but when you realize you're ruled by a lawless band of thugs, what is your recourse? We defy. And that is it. We defy. You have to defy it. And you've got to get the book, quite frankly, friends. If you have not gotten the book yet, you need to get it. Now, I haven't done it yet, but uh, let me get out the phone number. The phone number is 800-932-1980, which was a great year, by the way. 800-932-1980. And uh, if you want to join the experience, I'm talking with... uh, Captain Tommy Attaway, former Army captain, uh, stationed over in Germany, guarding the border, wrote that great book, We Defy. And you, you've heard what the conversation's like. I'm glad to get your input on this. Uh, Jonathan said, uh, I have had more immigration experience than most congressional uh, congressmen and senators, and I've had so many of them call me and ask me about immigration. I fixed all the green cards in America. Now permanent residency... Uh, now permanent residency cards are priority mail before they were going out regular mail and being stolen. Imagine that. I did a two-year investigation on that. So we've got a lot of issues here, but I think the biggest problem that we face is we are not controlling our borders. And, I, you know, people think that's not important. I always ask them, I say, you know, well, go, go find Cochise and ask him if, if uh, protecting your borders is important. You know, he might have something to say on that subject. Why do we have the last of the Mohicans? I mean, I know that was a book, but why was he the last of the Mohicans? Well, he didn't protect his borders. And, you know, we're very tribal. It's just something in our human characteristics. And we are in a war of cultures. And one of the things that we as Westerners, because of our history... We tend to think of conflict as something that is organized and kind of run by society, and nobody else thinks like that. You know, Geneva Conventions, all of these ideas of distinction between combatants and non-combatants, uniquely Western concept. Everybody else still engages in tribal warfare, which is anybody of your of your tribe is either killed or sold into slavery. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. 
At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. That's right. So we are broadcasting from the SelfDefenseFund.com studios. When you sign up with SelfDefenseFund, guys, use promo code DOC. Going to hit a break. Be right back. Don't go away. Share the link on Facebook, guys. Let's fill it up in here. Doc Green Show live on American Voice Radio. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beattie did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beattie set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super efficient system, you should call BDAC 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. 
Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. The doctor is in. The doctor Dr. is Farfest is back and bigger than ever before. This amazing live show features local from the Green Brothers. I Swing, Mike Dodson, Old Man Rocket, Ash, and the legendary Rhythm Band. Farfest, Farfest 2016, this October 8th in Brookshire, Texas. Got to play that for you again because, guys, Parfest is happening, and the Green Brothers Band is going to be there, and I want to meet you. I want you to come out and have a free party. This is the largest music festival in Brookshire every year and has been for many years. This October 8th, Parfest is back and bigger than ever before. This amazing live show features local music from the Green Brothers. By you, Swing, Mike Dodson. October 8th in Brookshire, Texas. Check out Facebook.com forward slash Parfit for more info. Or a con. So anyway, uh, we, we, we want to make sure you get in on that. We want to make sure you hear about it. And uh, so be sure to uh, mark that on your calendar, October the 8th. If you're going to be in the Houston area, it's in Brookshire. Brookshire is on the west side of Houston, out toward Katy, Simonton, that direction. And uh, Parfest is great music. And should I, I don't know if I should mention this. Free food. Ooh. I mean, where else can you go to listen to great music and get free food? I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any place else. It's BYOB, so bring whatever you like to drink. And uh, come on out. It's family-friendly, good music. Uh, I mean, it's just awesome. It's uh, one of the finest concerts you'll probably ever get to attend. And uh, the Green Brothers Band, we're kind of the least of the entertainment that's there. Um, the amazing uh, rhythm band, it's, those guys are just fabulous. I, I love listening to them. So I'm looking for all of you to be out there at Parfest. Now I'm trying to remember where I left off here Um uh, Hey, Allison Faye, have we ever met before? I just wondered. I know Peggy. Uh, I think John Goff and I have met before. Oh, Allison was up there. Yes, she enjoyed listening to the band on Saturday. But did she listen on Facebook because uh, we were running Facebook Live, or was she actually there? That's the question. So we're going to get an answer to that question. But uh, you can also go to my YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube channel is live every time I do a show. 
And uh, the sound quality there is certifiably excellent. And uh, you can get a look at what Tommy's doing on the breaks over here if you're on the YouTube channel. I can't do that on Facebook uh, because God knows they put me in Facebook jail if I did that. But for those of you on YouTube, uh, you, you can enjoy that. And once again, I also want to take a moment just to thank Frank for doing a great job. He's turning all the knobs out there, making all this stuff happen. And if you want to be live on the show today, 800-932-1980. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, Allison, thank you so much. And I appreciate you being on the show today. Um. I, I'm always happy. I love to do these events because I like to go out and meet some of these people that I only get to talk to on the radio in, in so many cases. And uh, so, yes, uh, I remember you now, Allison, and, of course, Peggy as as also. Uh, turned out, you know, Peggy and I had a mutual friend in, uh, in Captain Johnny Johnson. And uh, Johnny Johnson was one of the original militia guys. Now, I'd like to quote for you the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution, part of the Bill of Rights. And for those of you that are new listeners and for those of you that may be slightly uninformed about what the Second Amendment really means, I'm going to clarify that for you. Well, first of all, the Bill of Rights, that is the first ten amendments to our Constitution. When the Constitution was created, the Founding Fathers refused to sign it until the Bill of Rights was added because they wanted to make sure that we were not uh, creating another situation similar to the ones that they were leaving. And so they said the Bill of Rights. And what does the Bill of Rights do? Well, it doesn't grant you anything. What the Bill of Rights does is it, it shows you that we, the government, recognize you have certain God-given rights that we can't touch. we got to keep our hands off of these. And we, the government, because we are honest and trustworthy, have included this Bill of Rights, and you know that we will never ever violate any of these rights. So I'd like to go to the Second Amendment, and the Second Amendment says, and I will quote it from memory, so if I get it slightly wrong, you'll understand, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, First of all, I, I wanted to bring this up because everybody likes to talk about the second half, infringing on your Second Amendment right, that is, your right to keep and bear arms, which is simply recognizing the, the uh, verse in the Bible, Luke twenty two thirty six, recorded by Dr. Luke, the Greek physician, where the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, if you don't have a gun, sell your coat and buy one, because you're going to need it to defend yourself against a tyrannical government. So, having said all of that to say this, Tommy, what... What about this militia thing? Aren't, aren't those militia guys? I mean, did, did you even know that was in the Constitution? Oh, yeah. As I, I put it uh, previously, there's one thing on which the founders of the United States and Chairman Mao Zedong of the Communist Party of China agree. Political power comes from the barrel of a gun. Mm-hmm. They disagree on who should be holding the gun. I think you brought that up in your speech a little bit on Saturday, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so if you're a, a communist, then you agree with Chairman Mao that the gun must never leave the hand of the Communist Party. If you're, People must be disarmed. Yes, if you're an American, 
then you should believe that, as our founders intended with the Second Amendment, that that gun remains in the hand of the citizenry. And indeed, that was the case. And quite frankly, we could not have won the Revolutionary War except for the fact that that, uh, our guns were on par with the same guns that the British regulars had. And in a few cases, our guns were better than what the British regulars had. The first regular troops raised by the Continental Congress were 10 companies of riflemen. On par with what the British were going to bring over here. But today, that wouldn't be the case if we had to face the American military, would it? Yeah, now we have a a court system which is convinced that the Second Amendment exists because the founders of the United States were so concerned about duck hunting that they (laughs) devoted 10% of the Bill of Rights of the supreme law of the land to it. Yes, duck hunting. Duck hunting, yes. Which I think only people that are nuts personally do because who wants to go out there and slog around in that cold water early, early, early in the morning in hopes that you might be able to get a duck? Well, you can blast a Bambi as long as it's not an assault rifle. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm more about blasting Bambi, quite frankly. I mean, when it comes to duck, I I actually will eat duck. I know some people can't, but my friend Leonard, who happens to be the president of Vita Scientific, told me, uh, he gave me his duck recipe. Said, you take the duck, you fill it with bacon, and then you wrap the duck with bacon. You put it in the oven. You bake it for about two to three hours. You take it out. You remove all of the bacon, throw the duck away, and eat the bacon. I can go for that. <laughs> so, so there you go. Got to say hi to Bob Smiley. Uh, Bob is also another one of my uh, associates that came in via Johnny Johnson. So it's great to have Bob and Peggy uh, both in the chat here. And it uh, looks like they've cut me off at Facebook. Um. I had a lot of trouble getting getting uh, getting this even going this morning. Uh, it was crazy. So I'm going to restart the stream here on Facebook, but some, somehow I got a feeling I'm just not making them very happy at Facebook. I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the subjects we talk about here that give them heartburn. I really have no idea. Maybe they were unable to find a safe space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could be it. Like they did in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, moving right along. Um, because of what the Second Amendment says, I realized that it was incumbent upon me, even though I'm not necessarily a young and strong man like I used to be, but it became imperative for a guy like me to join the militia. Yeah, that's a fundamental duty of citizenship in a republic, and that's what the whole thing was designed to do during the constitutional convention uh, post for ratification there was a big debate about what was the meaning of the militia and what those clauses in the constitution were intended to accomplish and there were two competing ideas one was called the von Steuben plan which was that you would basically take young men before they had gotten married and gotten their lives established and you would train them extensively in military tactics and, and skills and they would be the primary reliance for defense of the country. And that was opposed by the anti-federalists who pointed out that if you did that, then the federal government would have the control over the best potential soldiers and the weaponry, and that was unacceptable to them. And so we have the Second Amendment as a guarantee of a universal militia so that everyone can be armed, 
and everyone has an equal right, as it were, to military equipment and to perform military service, so that it would be impossible for the government to favor certain units over others or certain states over others, and you know, by turning all of this on its head, as they did just a little over 100 years ago by creating the National Guard. So um, the militia pay, played a very important early part in the United States, and then that gradually began to fade. Yeah, the War of 1812 was the first test of the militia system, and it, it failed badly, not because it was a bad idea or a bad concept, but the problem is commanders. You know, bad commanders generally lead to bad units. Good commanders, good units. And it was the same problem that the regular army had, but the, it was more noticeable in the militia because of the failed defense of Washington, D.C. when the British army came to town, ran the president, Congress, and the Supreme Court out of Washington and burned the place because it had been defended by militia units, most of which broke and run. What are your thoughts on that? Why Why do you do you think it was just because they had not been tested in war and they were just absolutely uh, terrified, or they were, were they poorly trained? Uh, what, what are your thoughts Combination of that? factors. Uh, one regiment, the 5th Regiment Maryland Militia, actually advanced across the field and was in the process of defeating the 44th Foot, which being one of the lower-numbered British regiments were certainly no laggards, but they were unsupported and have to be withdrawn. One of the causes of this is actually the first gun control laws enacted by Washington, D.C. What? In 1804, Washington City Council passed a law that you couldn't own a musket. Wait a minute. It says shall not infringe. Well, That, that would be pretty infringing. It, it was, and the U.S. Congress decided to remind them of the fact, and so... They were instructed to allow the militia to drill with muskets, and so the council relented and outlawed flints. And of course, flints are used to fire flintlock muskets. You can't muskets. fire a musket unless you have a flint. So it's like and having a break. Yeah. So it's like having a, a gun without a firing pin. And so all of the flints were centrally stored under lock and key, so that you know no mischief could result. So what happens when we get to 1814 and the British Army is approaching Washington? is that the militia is called out, and the guy who had the key to the flints wasn't in town that day. <laughs> this is like Keystone Cops. So he had to be found, so the next day they could start to count out the flints and issue them to each of the militia companies. So, of course, one of the, the consequences of this is that if you, you have to fit the flint to the musket in order to make sure that it will spark reliably. And, of course, by this time, the British Army is immediately near Washington, and so they don't have time to fit, to fit and test the flint locks before going into action. Well, this just proves what I've always said. Every restrictive gun law, and, and I testified at the State House before the State Senate about this, every restrictive gun law ever passed has cost people lives. It has never saved anyone's life. Yeah, and so if you use now the usual liberal mantra, well, you know, only the professional military and National Guard can be entrusted with guns. But they didn't even trust the militia, which was the equivalent of the National Guard at the time, with all the equipment needed in order to maintain proficiency. And so Washington got burned. 
and it ended up costing everybody. But this is what happens when you refuse to trust the people. Now, it's always been my answer that more guns uh, solves the problem, not less guns, and that there are always going to be bad people, and there's going to be a certain percentage of bad people that are going to get guns and are going to do bad things with them. But the answer to that, the protection from that, is having sufficient good people with guns that when they see something going wrong like that, they can immediately put a stop to it. Your thoughts, Tommy Attaway? As Niccolo Machiavelli said, of all the lands of Europe, the Swiss are the best armed and the most free. <laughs> that's kind of hard to, hard to argue that one, isn't it? And yet that's and today, to this very day, that's where everyone likes to keep their money if they have a substantial sum of it. And, uh, of course, uh, Switzerland has universal military service. It's not as extensive as it used to be. So now, by age 42, if you don't get promoted to corporal or, or such, you know you can can leave service. You have the option of retaining your military firearm. They will disable the automatic fire feature. That's part of the Schlingen Treaty that Switzerland signed. And so, while I was living there, I could actually have a full deal M16, even as a non-Swiss citizen. Now you can't anymore. Hmm. You can only have semi-automatic weapons. Well, I hate that. Uh, I'm looking in the chat room here. I want to welcome uh, Valerie Velez. I want to w- welcome her to the uh, show. And Michael Chisholm, one of my favorite quotes, an armed society is a polite society, but Michael Chisholm, I challenge you, where did that quote come from? And no answer in that, Tommy, because I know you know everything. <laughs> so, uh, and, and Peggy's still in there, and we appreciate you guys joining the show. I really do. I mean, it means a lot to me that anybody pays any attention to anything that I say. Uh, we got Andy Martin in there. It's good to see him. And um, Liz Tice with Stop the Magnets, StopTheMagnets.com. And Liz's position has been that we could really solve most of our illegal immigration issues if we simply quit giving them all the free stuff. That's certainly a major incentive to come here, along with the fact that even at low wages, you know, $20 a, a day, for instance, uh, some people are still going to live better in the United States illegally with a $20 a day income than they, they would in their home countries. And, of course, one of the consequences of this is that we relieve a lot of internal pressures on other countries that if the population were still there, there would be a bigger incentive to fix their own countries and sort them out. And as I remarked, Mexico is way overdue for a revolution. (laughs) Indeed they are. Gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was I was talking to, but... uh... Yeah, he his suggestion, and he was very strong about it. He said, look, we need to annex Mexico. They all want to come here anyway. Their governmental system isn't working worth a flip. The drug cartels are a real problem. Let's annex Mexico. We'll fix it. And uh, and I suggested we send Rick Perry down there to be the, uh, the governor of Mexico because he speaks good Spanish. So perfect, right? Well, it reminds me of a, a joke that uh, basically runs the following. Small girl in Mexico is going to go with her parents to visit relatives in the United States. And of course, you know, they cross the, the border at, at Laredo and start to drive up through West Texas. And then they go and turn west through New Mexico and Arizona. And as they're, of course, along the journey, the parents keep reminding the little girl, and all of this used to belong to Mexico 
until it was stolen by the gringos. <laughs> and then finally the little yeah. girl says, you know, that's just like those gringos. They stole the best part. <laughs> they stole the best part. Well, there's a reason why it's the best part, and it has a lot to do with government and governmental ideas. But I got some bad news for that little girl. The way things are going, we'll be a worse third world country than Mexico pretty soon. Yeah, we, we seem to be furiously heading in that direction. Well, Michael Chisholm has not come up with the answer yet. Valerie uh, uh, Velez uh, bravely answered. She said Franklin, but it wasn't Franklin. Um, First name Robert. Yep, and uh, he, he uh, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll help you out. It's not that old a quote. It was, I think, 1942, somewhere around in there when that quote was made. So a relatively new quote. And uh, Phil, yeah, Phil Wade has joined us on Facebook, and I think, I don't know, a while ago he was on YouTube. So, uh, um, oh, and Brenda, Brenda chimed in a little while ago, Brenda Vaughn said, uh, it, it would also help if we just followed the existing laws. Now, existing laws on immigration, I heard a great quote from Bill Clinton. And uh, Bill Clinton's quote was, uh, we, we have to start enforcing immigration law. This is damaging the American workers' position in the world. Can you imagine Bill Clinton making a racist statement like that? Uh, yeah, when he's trolling for votes. Oh, that could have something to do with it. Well, actually, there's a, a lot of interesting provisions in existing immigration law. So Teddy Roosevelt was concerned that as a whole lot of more immigrants were coming into the United States, we may end up with some Muslims that were kind of culturally uh, not Western, and there needed to be a way to prevent that. And so if you look at one of the provisions in current immigration law, anyone who believes in polygamy is barred from immigrating to the United States. Yet I have more Bible for polygamy than I do for, uh, you know, just for singular marriage. Now, I'm not promoting polygamy. I mean, quite frankly, I, I got the redhead's about all I can handle. But uh, nonetheless, um, I got more Bible for polygamy than I do for anything else. Yeah, and, uh, you know, selective reading is always interesting. Uh, but, you know, the point is, is that in existing immigration law, there's already the equivalent of the extreme vetting, if you will, that existing immigration law is designed to allow people into the United States who are culturally accumulate as the, the, their whole accumulation of values is going to be compatible with ours. You can't have a multicultural, multi-ethnic society that doesn't share some commonality of principles or beliefs and still have a country. And, you know, it's one of the things looking at Switzerland where they have four official languages. But there's one thing that everybody in Switzerland agrees on. Being Swiss is better than not being Swiss. <laughs> you know, as Americans, we used to agree that, you know, no matter what our differences among us may be, you know, at least you're an American. Yes. And if you've noticed, you know, in the And last, back then, the Italians and the Irishmen and the Germans and the Poles, they came here, and they came here because they wanted to be Americans. 
They did, and if you look at Texas, which had a heavily uh, German-speaking population. It does indeed. For example, during the days... Thank God for Shiner Bach. (laughs) During during the days of the Republic of of Texas, one quarter of the population of Texas spoke German. That changed in 1917 in World War I because the German-speaking community, because they were Americans and the United States declared war on Germany in World War I, stopped speaking German. Out of respect for their adopted home countries. Out of their respect for their adopted home country. And so now, you know, it, it's a rarity to find, you know, German speakers uh, as German as a second language in Texas, even though there's, of course, you know, thousands and thousands of Texans that have that cultural heritage. Um, looking back in the chat room here, Michael Chisholm says, sorry, I don't know who the quote was, but I do love the Second Amendment, and I realize it's our last chance to avoid evil. And I want to say hello to Lola Faulkner. Thank you for joining us also on Facebook. And once again, to all of the new listeners across America uh, on American Voice Radio. A lot of you are listening on uh, terrestrial radio as well as the Internet, and we welcome all of you. Yes, the answer was Robert A. Heinlein, and he wrote a book called Beyond This Horizon. And it's it's a fabulous book, guys. It's still worth a read today. I think the copyright on that was somewhere around 1942. Might have, might have been as late as 1946. But a fabulous book. And in this book, they postulate, uh, first of all, everyone of note is armed. All free citizens are armed. And there's a hero in the book, and heroine, a female, and she's asked in the book, well, why do you choose to openly carry a, a, a firearm on your hip? And she said, should I not prefer the dignity of being an armed citizen? And that says it all. I mean, for me, as far as I'm concerned, an armed citizen is exactly that. He is a citizen. But someone who is forcefully disarmed must be viewed as a vassal, as a slave. And there's no two ways to look at that Um and you, you, what are your feelings on that, Tommy Attaway? Another great quote by Machiavelli. Among the evils that being disarmed will bring you, the chief of which is that you will be despised. <laughs> well, there you have. So do you want to be despised or not? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back on American Boys Radio, the Doc Green Show. Hashtag amazing Doc Green Show when you're looking for it. There's the music. Right back. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. 
I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurant. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and gear it back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. And we found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. And the measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here to did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge Well, you know what the doctor is in. Media Group is committed to helping conservative candidates run for and win elected office. Running for office requires more than just desire. It requires expertise. Crystal Laramore is that person. She has helped many candidates make it past the finish line. Congressman Dr. Brian Babin says, I would highly recommend their services to anyone in politics or business who wants to have a professional edge in a competitive world. Call 281-332-5710 or email news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Be sure you do that, by the way. The Damn Good Times is a great newspaper. If you like conservative newspaper written from a conservative standpoint with lots of great cartoons in it, uh, you need the Damn Good Times. Just go to damngoodtimes.com and sign up for it. It's 50 bucks a year. They'll put it on your doorstep. And it doesn't matter if you're in, in uh, New York, New Jersey, or uh, New Caledonia. You can get that, uh, you can get that delivered to your, your house like I do. Uh, yes, Valerie, one redhead is all anyone can handle. Certainly all I can handle. Michael Chisholm said, hey, never knew about you before. We'll be watching. What are your days and hours? Well, the Doc Green Show is live every day on YouTube and probably from now on on Facebook. But I, uh, the YouTube channel actually looks better and sounds better, and you get to see more. Like, for instance, right now, if you were on the YouTube channel, you'd be seeing Tommy Attaway working on his little project over here. You can't see that on the Facebook channel because I don't have enough cameras to do it. But anyway, uh, I'm on every day from 1 until 3 on American Voice Radio, live, 1 to 3. And I am also on Raging Elephants Radio every day from 10 until noon. 10 until noon, Raging Elephants Radio. You can download the free app 
for your smartphone, wherever you are, and then you can listen to that. And, of course, uh, the cool part about American Voice Radio, look around. Depending on where you are, I may be on your local AM station. I may be on your local FM station. So look around. Check it out. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. If you punch that into your browser, into Google or whatever, you'll be able to find everything we're doing and where we're doing it at and uh, be a part of the show. And I post some of the band videos and stuff up there that I do today. We are speaking with a good friend of mine, uh, Captain Tommy Attaway, former U.S. Army, uh, wrote a great book called We Defy. We are anxiously awaiting the sequel. You can get We Defy on Amazon.com. And we're just talking about uh, we're talking about life in America. We're talking about where we are, where we're going. Just in case any of you are wondering, I should point out to you that I am a Trump supporter. I've been a Trump supporter since he got in. Now, I am an ultra-conservative Republican, so why would I support a man like Trump, who is definitely not even a conservative, let alone an ultra-conservative? Well, because I believe we have allowed the United States to deteriorate to such a point that only a man like Donald Trump can turn this thing around. And uh, I think it was Valerie Velez that said earlier, we have allowed this thing to happen. And I wanted to come back to that comment, Tommy. I mean, is it just our fault, Tommy Attaway? As always, it's a, a combination of factors. So, historian had a, an interesting observation that we've had waves of immigration. And the initial wave of immigration post-revolutionary war generally came from the British Isles, and so they were people with relatively common cultures. Mm-hmm. And that lasts pretty much through the potato famine in, in Ireland and northern Europe in the 1840s. In the 1840s, you start to get more immigrant, immigrants from Central Europe. And so they don't have the same cultural background of the English common law. Yeah, more of the Slavic countries. More of the Slavic countries. And so you start to see a little bit of a shift in the political landscape. And so now you start to see the advent of political parties, uh, pat- political patronage, you know, things uh, get more concrete divisions between the political parties and uh, especially what government then starts to do, a lot more public works projects. After the war between the states, Okay, there's not that much immigration until, uh, you know, post-World War One, and then you get the next wave, you know, the whole Ellis Island, you know, that experience. And there are people, again, from very much Eastern and Southern Europe who have had different experiences with government. And so you, you get, a, again, more of a tilt now toward the progressivism and the progressive era. And now post-World War Two. You're getting people from countries who have absolutely no contact with Western civilization other than through being Western colonies. And so their idea of government, what government should do, the idea of limitations on government, you know, uh, they're used to strongman systems, and they vote accordingly. Mm-hmm. And so as you, you see those shifts in where our new populations come from, it alters the view of what we think of as a proper role for government to take. Well, of course, the role that government should take, 
I, I feel like government has some very defined roles, and in fact, the Constitution of the United States gave them what eighteen. Yeah, or you know, one of the great comments that that I've heard out there was about, well, you know, there's a social contract as to what you know society ought to do, and and the relationship between individuals and society. And the best comeback I've ever heard says, we do have a social contract. It's called the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> there you are. And uh, and all what they have to do is, is follow what's uh, laid out for them in the 18 enumerated powers. Uh, I think that might even be slightly extensive uh, over what the government should be allowed to do and what we should be paying them to do. One of the problems we have today is government, uh, to quote your speech, uh, quoting someone else on Saturday, is, is still eating out our substance. Yeah, we're paying sixty percent almost of every device we buy, including that uh, piece of gear you have in your hand. Almost sixty percent of that is government taxes at some level. And if we go back to the American Revolution, most historians will estimate that the tax load on the population, and mm-hmm. you know, this is not effectively what they were paying, but you know, effectively what it was, you know, all cumulative, you know, import duties, everything else that that three percent. This country was founded because the tax rate on the population had made it up to 3%. Yeah, and they were sick of it. And they were sick of it. So at 3%, they got out the guns. They got out the guns, right. But we have become so domesticated. I mean, this is my personal personal feeling. We have become so domesticated that our politicians, our government, no longer fears us, and now they know they can do absolutely anything because we are so domesticated, we will do anything to avoid getting beaten. Well, we're a very divided population, and so it, it will look, you know, even theoretically, if you go through the typical Democrat Party supporter, you know, they have a belief that government should be doing things to make people's lives better, and again, enforcing their idea of making people do good things and not letting people do bad things. Theoretically, most Republican Party supporters, you know, believe in the idea of individual responsibility and individual liberty, except when it comes to presidential candidates like Ross Perot or Donald Trump, and then they're not <laughs> going to support them because, like, well... They're too, too individual. Yeah, and they're too far out there. Um, so, you know, the party of personal responsibility, uh, you know, has lost some of its underpinnings and foundations. And that, again, causes us to drift left, and it would happen somewhat naturally, uh, but it's been, of course, aided and abetted by certain external forces that now control the Democratic Party. Well, the Democrat Party has, of course, been completely co-opted by the Communist Party here in the United States. One of the things that, that I am working for is liberty. And right now we have a huge lack of liberty here in the United States. I mean, you you can almost do nothing uh, unless you have the governmental position or permission to do it. And once again, going back to what I said earlier, I find that we've become so domesticated, no one will stand up against it. You heard Ray Herrera's speech on Saturday. Yeah. Um, he he kind of came out and just really, really uh, told us how the cow ate the cabbage, so to speak. And I heard somebody, I was standing next to somebody while I was giving the speech, and I said, well, I don't know, yeah, I think he's kind of radical. I don't think I'd go that far. Well, and you know, one of the points is that freedom is a result of very radical people insisting upon it. 
<laughs> I like that. I like that. Very radical people insisting upon it. And that gives you freedom. And that gives you freedom. But we're not insisting upon it. Juvenile. Back in, uh, what was it? Uh, I looked this up. I, I think it was uh, 68 uh, A.D., I believe, was, was the year. And he said bread and circuses. He, you know, he was a satirist at the time, but he said bread and circuses. As long as people have bread and circuses, they're they're manageable. Well, I, you know, the same thing happened in Rome. And one of the things about our country's founders is that 1776 was an interesting year. You know, we think of it in terms of the Declaration of Independence. But a, a couple of very important books were published in that year. Uh, one of them was by Adam Smith called An Inquiry into the Causes of Wealth Among Nations. The I, other, I love the title. I haven't read this book, by the way. And uh, which is considered the foundation for modern economics and economic principles and theory. The other book that was published in 1776 was called The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Not to be confused with the one recently written by Marvin Tyson, which is uh, yes, of the Western Empire. Of the Western Empire, but yeah, but you know, uh, both of these books became very influential, wildly popular, because what the Adam Smith's work is looking into is that okay, how does a country become wealthy? How do a people become wealthy? And what's the difference between those that are successful? And those that are poor and remain poor and, and never can can seem to get anywhere. The decline and fall of the Roman Empire, of course, had a great deal of resonance to Britain because Britain was on its ascendancy onto the world stage in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. You know, the Spanish Armada had been defeated uh, in, in 1588. Uh, you know, another series of wars on the continent. Uh, for, uh, wars of Spanish succession, you know, the French and Indian War, or the Seven Years' War had just completed. And so Britain is becoming a bigger and bigger world power. And, of course, they then looked at, at Rome and were interested in how did Rome become an empire and why weren't they able to maintain it? All very all very interesting. And, and we learned from those lessons, and those were the things that were really brought to to fruition here in the United States. Yeah. So if we looked at the decline and fall of Rome, the Republican form of government be ultimately becomes a dictatorship. The currency is disbased. We have wild inflation. The population becomes unruly. And so it's a question of, all right, how do we keep the population tame? Until finally the bodyguard of the emperor becomes the entity that starts to choose the successors to Roman emperors. And ultimately, they can't control their borders, and other tribes and other peoples are able to eventually invade and conquer Rome. We get back to the border control issue again. Get back to the border control issue again, and if you look at, at ancient Rome, you know, one of the, the statements of, that illustrated the principles were, I am a Roman citizen. The idea that as a citizen, you had rights. You know, you had things that even the government couldn't do to you. And being a Roman citizen... Well, yeah, we go back to the Bible. Paul, he was arrested and uh, got instant respect when he pulled that card out. That's it. And, and, and he also said, and I didn't purchase my citizenship. 
I was born yeah. a Roman. And all of a sudden, the, the cops are, whoa, now we got a problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we now have a, we have to respect such laws that still exist in the process. And so, you know, we, we fast forward, you know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, I'm an American citizen. Powerful statement. And, of course, the idea being that, you know, the flag followed the citizen, you know. Any, well, yeah, it used to be, if you were an American overseas, you were relatively safe because they realized that if they attacked you as an American, they were, in effect, attacking America. Yeah, as one of my Swiss co-workers that. put it, he said, you know, there's one thing I really got to say for the United States. If any American anywhere in the world is, is killed, somebody gets bombed. And if you're lucky, you even get the guy who did it. <laughs> well, see, now, I kind of like that. It's kind of like the perception people have of Texans. You know, they're all six foot six and bulletproof with a six gun in each hand. I love that world perception, but we, you and I both know that's not true. I mean, and, and, and the, the, it's the, not true in America either anymore. Now, nowadays, you can pretty much kill Americans with impunity, and indeed, we have invited that. Our government has invited that. Yeah, and one of the things that was a, a big deal during the Cold War was the idea of what's called deterrence theory. And the idea is is that, okay, there's certain little minor things that we won't worry about, and there are certain things that if you do them, we're going to nuke you. But there's a gray area in between to where you just can't be sure, can ya? <laughs> well, unfortunately, that gray area has expanded substantially. I mean, and it's been going it's been going pretty much downhill for a long time now. Well, I'd argue that the gray area has shrunk because that gray area was the uncertainty as to what the United States would do. Now it's pretty certain that we're not going to do anything. Not going to do anything, yes. But that's that's the problem that we face. So that's why I, I ultimately got on the uh, on the Texas Independence bandwagon because it is my position, Tommy Attaway, that even if Donald Trump is elected, and I hope that he is. Uh, he's not going to be able to save the United States for long. Yeah, well, my process was one of I look at the cultural trends inside the United States, and I see an irreconcilable differences among the socialists and the freedomistas. Uh, and the other thing is that they're going to wreck the economy. And as long as Texas is in the United States, when the U.S. dollar is destroyed and Texas is still in it, that is going to have a great deal of economic harm you know, to Texas. Texas at least has the ability, if it gets on it, to insulate ourselves from a lot of that potential hazard. Well, we can, but we're going to need a governor that's a little different than the one we have. For instance, when I read that book, uh, uh, State of Treason by David Thomas Roberts, uh, or actually the first one was Patriots of Treason, yeah. and and then State of Treason. But I said, uh, you know, Dave, where did where did you get the this model for the governor? Because we've certainly never known a governor like that in Texas. You know, a governor that was a real Texan that, that uh, basically just told the feds, look, we've had enough of you. Uh, get out of here. Uh, yeah, we that, don't have that anymore. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like to, to criticize other authors. You know, one of the things that I note in most of the Texas succession or Texas independence literature is we have what I refer to as a miracle occurs, right? We get a governor and a state government that is intent on enforcing the precepts of the Constitution against the federal government. 
or we have, you know, some wealthy billionaire decides to, for some reason, now finance a political movement to free Texas from federal tyranny, which some, for some reason had never occurred to anybody until just now, uh, you know, or, or some variation of those things. And then on the other end, you, you get the, the Washington response of, hey, Texas wants to be independent. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's another book I read, and I'm trying to remember the, the title of it now. Uh, and, you know, I, I think... Oh, yeah, it was uh, with uh, the Patriot series, Joe Nobody. Yeah. Interesting concept there, which could actually happen. Um, you know, I, I like those in terms of I think they have a, a higher degree of realism. Uh, you know, they tend to focus, uh, from what those that I've read, you know, more on individuals reacting to events rather than uh, people who are participating in those events fully or helping to create the, the situations that they help manage. And so that's the difference I was trying to work with with, the, with my literary efforts, which is to illustrate that positive things can happen on our own volition. We don't need a miracle to occur in order to start motion. No, your book was actually based on just a few like-minded individuals deciding to do something. And that's why I tell everybody that's listening today, it doesn't matter what state you live in, uh, pick up the book We Defy by Tommy Attaway, because in that book you have a plan. The first part of that book is the plan. And you can do that anywhere, anywhere in the United States you can do that. Yeah, basically it happens based on between 100, 150 people. And with a total capital investment, you know, all the way around, uh, less than two and a half million dollars. So ultimately doable. Hey, I got to hit this spot here. Be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm Phil Waite, your host and moderator in the People's Town Hall. Heard Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. on BlogTalkRadio.com. No doubt, the presidential election will be one of the top stories of 2016. But I am predicting the person of the year for 2016. For the answer, look into a mirror. Now look closer at those beside you and back of you, all around you. We the people. When asked what kind of government our founders had given us, Ben Franklin was quick to reply, a republic if you can keep it. I hope in 2016 you'll decide to be on the front lines of the battle for liberty. I invite you to join the forces in the People's Town Hall as we introduce you to experienced grassroots activists who know the ins and outs of the grassroots movement. Join me Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. in the People's Town Hall on Blog Talk Radio. Bring your torches and pitchforks. Got to do that. And I, I got to play a little music for you. But that ain't it, so we're not going to play that one, but we are going to play this one, just because this is how I feel today on a Wednesday. And I defy you to tell me who, what group this is.
Oh, yeah. That was Sammy Hagar singing with Ronnie Montrose, guys. And uh, the only guy that actually got that right was uh, was uh, the guy behind the board. <laughs> Frank. Frank got it right. That's right. He said, I almost guessed Rainbow, but no, first out of the bag. He said, Montrose? And yes, that's who it was. I love Ronnie Montrose. So we're going to be playing some more Montrose this week because there's a couple other tunes on that album that I want to get to. Back in the day when my buddy Bill Lewandowski and I were in the Air Force and we had a rock band called Charisma, that was one of the tunes that we played. And so I I know it uh, intimately well, and I still love it to this day. In fact, we may have to pick that up in the Green Brothers Band. So anyway, uh, the best way, i got Tommy Attaway here. The best way to get Tommy Attaway's book is to go to Amazon.com and type in the words, We Defy. It's got the cross of Lorraine on the cover. Why did you you use that imagery, Tommy Attaway? Well, throughout the book, there are a lot of things that if you are a one of these literary professors you would, would say, you know, it symbolizes all these different things and what it really means. The Cross of Lorraine is originally the Crusader's Cross, and so it has a link to the idea of Western civilization being in peril. It was also the symbol used by the French resistance units of World War II that were sponsored by the United States Office of Strategic Service. And the title, We Defy, uh, comes from the their French slogan, New Défiance, which is also informally the slogan of the 5th Special Forces Group. And, of course, the original and primary job of U.S. Special Forces is to help people overthrow tyrannical governments. Well, that's something that we are called by God to do, is to overthrow tyranny, because there can be only one king. Well, i got to get out of here, guys. That's it for the Doc Green Show. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Tommy Attaway, thanks for coming in from Dallas. Enjoyed it. See you guys tomorrow. The amazing Doc Green Show is... The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. thought time herb provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. 
That's 866-229-3663, International 704-875-8010, or online at thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you are listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is September 7th, 2016. It is Wednesday, and uh, we have uh, Wendy Wilson joining us today. But first, let's get to the market report. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. I almost forgot about you. Uh, you would have thought of, you would have remembered you me you soon enough. Remind, you would have reminded me. Well, I could have, if I knew, if I really knew you'd forgotten about me, I'd just hang it up and go play solitaire or whatever. Oh, you know. okay. All right. And no, that's not Hillary on the on the uh, air today. It's just something took my head off there for a little bit. I see. Yes. Goal today is... A little bit of a pullback down 430. Not bad. 430 at 1346. Silver was down 30 cents a day. Went back down below 2019.84. Platinum was down 10 at 1092. Palladium was down 9 at 693. The USDX today was a little bit stronger. 0.12. 9497. Crude oil up 0.62 at 45.45. And again, folks, we're going to just be trending, I think, back and forth until, and I, and that's why I believe something is coming our way, because these markets have just a light volume. Um, these markets have just sort of been, you know, trending back and forth, no direction. And usually when there's no direction, and particularly the, the paper markets, um, the direction that it 
usually takes is down. So we have the Dow down 12, nothing you know big. 18,525. The Nasdaq was up eight at 52.83. The S&P was you know basically unchanged at 21.86. Um, the 10-year yield. Oof. Oh, they just took it off my charts today. 10-year yield, 1.54%. That's still holding from yesterday. A little pressure on the euro, as expected, with the uh, our dollar being a little bit higher. And all the European and Asian markets pretty much flat overnight. So, again, um, you know, it's like everybody's just holding their breath. I'm waiting for something to happen. I, I can't believe all eyes in the world are focused on our election, but uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, strange things going on, and we'll be talking about some of those things after our segment with Wendy Bill Wilson from Apothecary Herbs. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon, Melody, and hello, Al. Hello, Wendy. Uh, do you have anything about- for coughs? Do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, got two customers for you, Hillary and Melody. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. If you want to calm the cough, it, you can use thyme, T-H-Y-M-E. Um, that's excellent for that. Um, if you need to expel any mucus that is, you know, generating the cough, then I would use lobelia to clear the lung in the passageway. All right. Melody, All did right. you make a note? I think my sip of coffee will do just fine for now. All right. <laughs> All righty, then. Well, let's and talk some water. About the- and some water. Yeah. Uh, well, Hillary does that too. All right. So <laughs> European vodka. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. Oh, well, it's made from potatoes, so it's okay because that's natural. Mm-hmm. Made from potatoes. Okay. Well, let's talk about the European Roundup on the uh, natural medicine front. Uh, I reported on this in 2010 and 11. Uh, when the European Union was rolling out some massive regulations regarding natural health marketplace uh, changes, and specifically where herbs were concerned. So at that time, Europe lost the availability of 20,000 herbs because the European Union authorities declared them either unsafe or having insufficient study to determine safety. So the restrictions that were put on the herb industry overseas are kind of tantamount to robbing mankind of the benefits of the herbs. Now, companies looking to import any herb products into Europe, well, they have found this new maze of requirements to get their product approved. Products that pass contained far less nutrition than products sold in the United States. So the point is that if the herb contained a lot of minerals and enzymes, amino acid, and other nutrients, and they were above what the European Union determined to be market approved, then it would not get approval and you could not sell it there. So there's this You mean if they were particularly healthy, if they were really good for you, you couldn't buy it over in Europe. You could only buy them that were essentially washed out and didn't have much nutritional value. Yes, exactly. You're right on, Al. So there's been this pressure now in the United States to adopt all these restrictions going on in the European Union. And we've seen some hiccups. The U.S. marketplace has experienced, you know, the FDA changes with regards to the good manufacturing procedures uh, for the supplement industry. So we're going to take a look at what's going on in Europe, see what they're up to there, and how that could impact 
our accessibility down the road for herbal products here in the United States. Uh, but this plan that's happening that's you know coming to fruition in uh, Europe is not a new plan. The effort to restrict the natural marketplace um, in fact, it's been Europe uh, has been working on this for 40 years. So the European regulatory agencies involved have made uh, getting approval to sell herb products in their marketplace to be very complicated and expensive. Uh, for instance, if a mid-sized company wanted to um, find out if they could export, if they wanted to export their product they're going to find that the regulations are pretty ambiguous um, and uh, may require them to hire an agency that's skilled in maneuvering through all that red tape for the opportunity to even seek approval. And if they did hire such a, a company, it would cost them about $100,000. And there's really no guarantee that are, you would actually get an approval. There's no a guarantee it could be granted. So you, it would just be for the opportunity to apply. So all this regulation pushes the price of products higher and kind of out of the reach of some consumers. Now, one trend that I've noticed is these regulations in Europe have been creeping towards repositioning herbs from the food to the drug category. Okay, So um, when herbs are considered not a food but a drug, the European Medicines Agency will hand manufacturers a whole new set of guidelines. So the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society reports that in 2016, the officials of the Good Manufacturing Practice and the Good Distri Distribution Practice and the Inspectors Working Group, all these people collaborated on a new draft of guidelines to remove the regulatory gaps for foreign importers and products made in foreign plants. So, so they're trying to plug the holes because they know Europeans, you know, they want some really good herbs. They want something that's, you know, worth their money. And so they're importing it for private use and uh, they're noticing. So they're wanting to plug up those gaps. Do, now, you mean, do you mean when you say they're importing it from private for private use, do you mean that they're ordering it essentially over the internet, internet from, say, the United States, and it's delivered yep. directly to them, or are they going to retailers in Europe that are bringing it yep. in from the United States? No, the, the former. They're ordering it on the internet mm -hmm. from other sources, and it's being shipped directly to them. So the internet, the intended plan, I should say, is really to become what is referred to in their guidelines as, quote, global nature of supply. So these regulations um, are pretty far reaching, Al, Melody. Uh, they're referred to in the documents as, quote, internal annex, and it affects a business in more ways than just changing the product label. It will impact the business's quality control systems, their staffing, and their building operations. Now, here's a quote from um, nzherald.com. It's, it's an online uh, newspaper overseas. It says this, herbal practitioners say it's impossible for most herbal medicines to meet the licensing requirements for safety and quality, which are similar to those for pharmaceutical drugs because of the cost of all the testing. Obtaining a license costs 161,000 US dollars. Wow, just for one product, Al. What if you made a dozen or a hundred different formulas? Yeah, it becomes I mean? virtually impossible. 
Um, yeah. How do you make 161,000 additional profit per? I mean, there's got to be a lot of money in herbs to come up with enough profit to cover that. And only a handful well, of people would have to be a big, a big distributor might be able to do it. A big retailer yeah. might be able to do it, but the uh, average yeah, is good. Right. And so it's really going to limit your uh, selection, isn't it? <laughs> well, um, Michael McIntyre, um, he's the chairman of the European Herbal and Traditional Medicine Practitioners Association. And he says this, the problem isn't you can't get a... The problem is you can't get a license for many herbal medicines because you can't patent them. The implications no. are quite serious. End of quote. Oh yeah, I would say. And no, um, you know, and the thing is, is nobody seems to be able to challenge this. In the European Union, laws are passed with relative ease. Uh, so there have been over 1,500 laws submitted in the past five years with regard to the natural medicine market, and 80%, Al, Melanie, were passed on the first reading. Now, you know how legislation here in the United States goes. There's nothing passed on the first reading. There's amendments, uh, there's, there's changes, there's all this and that, and then they finally, you know, hone the document and then vote on it to make it law. So, you know, that's astonishing that 80% are passed on the first reading. What do you think, Al? I think it means they get all the bribes that can, the market will bear in the first reading, and they don't have to go to a second reading and a second layer of bribes. Right, and what it also means, there's really no longer any mechanisms in place for public opinion, you know, yeah. for people. Yeah. yeah. So um, the people of the EU really, they have to understand that the laws that affect them are passed in closed negotiations. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the laws of the European Union, are you Mm -hmm. saying these laws are being made in Brussels and apply the deal with the the deal with the Arabs and the deal across with all the countries in the European Union? Or are laws being passed in Spain and other laws being passed in Germany and they're still being passed in individual countries? Well, they're trying to get these, you know, pretty much uh, blanketing the European Union. There's 13, Mm -hmm. or there's 12. There's now 12 countries in the European Union because England, you know, came out. So they're trying to get it, you know, kind of like a a federal, like a federal law is blanketing all 50 states here. That's what they're trying to do. Um, But but the laws are put into place, and the public doesn't have a clue basically. So therefore, uh, when the European Medication Agency's quality drafting group submitted some documents and they decided instead of calling herbs foods, they called them drugs, and they required revisions and changes on the quality and testing of herbs as drugs, hey, there wasn't any objection. None. All right. So pretty amazing, really. The Europeans have become so passive in their own way. They let immigrants flood in. They let laws flood in. That does, it's not evidence of a, of, a, of a culture that's likely to survive a lot longer. Right. Well, you know, and we're also told there's some other important changes they're trying to come down with, with regards to the way herbs should be tested and the type of quality that's going to be allowed in their market. Um, now, I've heard from health professionals on both sides of the Atlantic, and the lower the uh, nutritional quality, the better the chance the product gets approved, like you mm-hmm. said. So we are, um, you know, as I've reported in the past, there is an increasing ban on herbal remedies throughout Europe, and there is 
growing anxiety that uh, these new guidelines uh, are going to be implemented globally. See. Well, they had something a, a, called Codex Elementarius back a few yeah. years ago. Everyone was mm -hmm. concerned. Haven't heard anything about it in several years. It's Did that still just die, or what happened to it? No, it's still in effect. Um, it's it's really uh, going to include everything. It's the food harmonization co code. So everything you put in your body, from water to uh, prescription medications to foods that your grandmother would make you, is all going to be regulated eventually. Here's a quote from Dr. Rob Verkick of the Alliance for Natural Health. He says this, Thousands of people across Europe rely on herbal medicines to improve their quality of life. They don't take them because they're sick. They take them to keep healthy. Wow. You know? That's, that's got to infuriate Big Pharma. Yes. It does, and that's what it is. They're competing with Big Pharma. So, but they're widening the net. Get this. Do I have time, or am I out of time, Al? You have about, you have about 90 seconds. Okay. No, well, according well, according yeah, to about, some reports in, in Georgia over in Europe, 60, there's a 60% decline to export fresh herbs into Europe. So the European Economy Ministry is deciding how they want to handle the fresh herb segment of the market. And so... Um, Georgia over there may be handed a new greenhouse plan on how they should operate their herb growing business if they want to export their herbs to Europe. And uh, Europe, the European Union in itself, is the world's largest market for herbs and spices. And it's managed by Germany and up to just recently the United Kingdom. So, um, you know, I, I think people need to do their homework and uh, and stand up and be real careful what's going to happen here in the United States because we don't want a lot of that uh, forcing its way into our supplement market and then severely curtailing what we use on a daily basis to keep healthy so we don't need prescription drugs. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yep. Um, they're, they're out to run the world and not not for the benefit of the people. Give us some contact information, Wendy, where we can get some more information. Absolutely. They can uh, visit us online at thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com, or call for a free product catalog for immune-boosting and organ-cleansing herbs to empower you. The number is toll-free at 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. As always, a joy. See you next time. Thank you, Wendy. Enjoyed it. Um, that was Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com, 866 229-3663. Bill Eddie and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, 
you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? I just want to remind the listeners, we still have the special from yesterday, a Mint State 64 $20 gold piece, along with 20 Morgan Silver Dollars, VG Plus 1921s, for a total of 2016 That includes all your shipping costs and insurance. It's a great little package, so they can give us a call. You can buy one or 100 at one 800 well, we'll have to start checking a availability at 100 of them, but uh, uh, it might take a little bit of time. We have the Morgans, but those Mid-State 64s, we all know that uh, uh, supply and demand, there's always a limited supply on uh, the Mid-State $20 gold pieces. Give us a call, 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Visit our website, dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. This is a great little package to pick up some of those uh, Morgan Silver Dollars. Uh, they're priced great. They're just a, you know, they're, they're less than a dollar over what a mor- what a Silver Eagle would sell for. So a very good value for the Morgans at the Mint State, $64, dollar gold piece. And I just wanted to say one more thing before we move on. Al, Wendy always does a great uh, job in her reporting, but I just, I didn't want to correct her or say anything while she was doing her report because it isn't important. I think what she, what her other information was more important than, uh, but there are 27 members in the European Union. And uh, there's a lot of little countries, but we, we normally relate to, you know, the biggies, you know, France, Italy, you know, so forth. So Spain, but um, I don't relate to any of them, Melody. I understand. I doubt that you people. relate to much. 
<laughs> I relate to my computer and yeah. some of the news that comes over there. That's that sort sorry. of thing. But I'm I don't have sorry. a positive relationship with even the big nations. Of, uh, well, I'm, I'm not against having a positive relationship, but they'd have to call me up and see, well, you know, and they, you know, if they want to do it, I suppose I go along with Another it. Another segment of the New World Order, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Here's an article from Phoenix Capital Research. The title was How I Got Mark Cuban to Concede that Central Banks Have Cornered the Bond Markets. Now, Mark Cuban is a billionaire investor. He's owner of the Dallas Mavericks and reality TV star from Shark Tank. Cuban claims that if Donald Trump wins the presidency in November, he says, quote, I have no doubt in my mind that the market tanks. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with Mr. Cuban in this regard. I also have no doubt that if Donald Duck is elected in November, the market will tank no later than the first or second quarter of 2017. It could happen in the, you know, November, December this year. Um, the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter who's elected. The federal government and or the Federal Reserve have already pushed this country so deeply into a black hole of fiat currency and national debt that some sort of an economic collapse is mathematically certain, although the date is still obscure. The next president, whoever he or she may be, will not only provide or preside over a market collapse, but also over the Greater Depression. Now, according to Phoenix Capital Research, they, go, they say, seriously, let's cut the crap. Politics are irrelevant here. The central banks have set the stage for a massive market meltdown. Globally, over $13 trillion in bonds have negative yields. Some sovereign yields are are negative out as far as 5, 10, or even 30 years. This has never happened before in the history of humanity. Sovereign bonds are are the senior most asset in the financial system. If they are in a bubble, everything is in a bubble. In this context, there is literally no such thing as real price discovery anywhere in the markets anymore. There are simply dozens of smaller bubbles, all created by investors reacting to the bond bubble. Gozan gives us an example. He says, in Europe, we see our first corporate bond issued with negative yields. Yes, companies in Europe can now charge you for the right to lend to them. As a result, there's now a bubble in European corporate bonds. The bond bubble is the mother of all bubbles created by central banks, and billionaires like Mark Cuban must know it. Note that uh, Mr. Cuban doesn't even, well, I won't get into this uh, section on a debate he's having with Mr. Cuban, but he says central banks have literally bet the financial system that their theories are correct. And he's got a point here. Central bankers have devised an economic system based on theories that presume that you can use fiat currency just the same as just it'll serve every bit as well as real money. And you can run an economy on that basis. I believe that fundamental theory is wrong. It is irrational, unreasonable, and it can't work much longer. More to the point, the central bankers in their brilliance and genius have devised some sort of an economic system where literally they have not just bet the financial system that their theories are correct. They've bet your life. 
They've bet my life and melodies. They have bet your children's lives. They've bet your prosperity. You've bet your survival, your life expectancy. All of these are going to depend on whether or not these brilliant PhDs sitting in the Federal Reserve and or the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan and wherever. But they're so smart they can run a system contrary to everything economics has taught over the last four, five, five thousand years. Can they do it? I don't think so. And when it blows up in their face, they're going to say, oh, gee, well, we tried. Some of us are going to be hurt badly. And it won't be surprising if this thing goes to a worst-case scenario. I mean, it's not going to, it won't be merely a matter of being discomforted. There are going to be people that are going to die based on a failed economic theory, which I think is what we're going to see before this is over. Um, it's going to be a terrible lesson for all of us. And uh, what can I tell you? Uh, but the article is correct. The bonds are a huge bubble. The bubble is inflated with fiat currency. It's going to collapse. It's got to. Why? Because the debt is so big it can't be paid. The bubble must burst when they finally have to say, gee, we can't pay the debt. Or if they don't say it, they have to, imp they have to impose it significant inflation in order to reduce the size of the national and global debt. Right, the real size, it will be secretly, stealthily reduced by inflation. That's one way to get out of it. The other way is haircuts, restructuring, and overt admission that the governments of the world are broke and there's too much debt to ever be paid. What's that going to mean, Baldy? What do you think it means, Al? It means and people that are holding exactly. their wealth in the form of paper are going to lose their assets. That's what it means. If you've got a pension fund that is that is primary, that whose portfolio is composed significantly or even primarily of bonds, you are going to find that pension fund wiped out. Same thing will probably happen with stocks. If you're storing your wealth in a paper format, you are going to lose your assets. We don't. It's it's a to me, it's as certain as the sun coming up in the east, right? It's going to happen, but I can't tell you exactly what time. Huh? If you're smart, you'll get out of paper. That's what it means to me, Melody. Well, I can't. Uh, I, I believe it was Switzerland. They were either one of the one of the first who started issuing these negative rates. Yep. And if you even just think about it, I mean, you don't need to. Uh, <laughs> It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you can't have these trillions of dollars. And when they first started doing it, it wasn't trillions, and it is now over to the tune of over $13 trillion. It's going to end well. And yet you, you hear very few people talk about this. You have very few people who really even discuss what is going to happen and how this system, how this financial system is is literally going to collapse. And I think these central bankers, I'm not so sure that they're betting that, they're, that their theories are correct. Maybe they have gotten this, uh, oh, you know, godlike, you know, what do you want to call it? Mentality. Uh, that, they, that, that they can control everything. Where do they really know exactly where they're heading? They're just going to, they're all along for the ride while all of their buddies, all of the elite, they're able to control things along the way in order to, to finish it in the, in the manner um, that they choose or similar to the manner in which they choose. So um, 
And really, it doesn't really matter. What matters is you, the listener, and what you do to protect yourself against, because that's what you're doing. You're protecting yourself against the central bankers and their recklessness and, you know, any word that you want to use. Um, their malfeasance, their wickedness, their malicious, their malice, um, their indifference to your welfare. So uh, it's, it's not yeah. a question of investing in gold per se. It's a question of divesting from paper. Get away from it. It's going to burn, and it has to, although we can't tell you when. It might happen this quarter. It might happen next quarter. It might happen next year. It could happen five years from now. I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but I can tell you it's going to happen, and I can tell you that it could happen in a very short period of time. If it does happen, those of you that are hanging on to that paper dollars, hanging on to paper stocks, hanging on to paper bonds, you are going to see the value of your wealth that you've stored in those paper instruments is going to be dramatically diminished. And that means if you're relying on that wealth to provide for your retirement, for example, or just to make the mortgage payment on your house or whatever, if you're depending on that wealth, it's going to disappear. And and I know, well, a lot of thoughts are perhaps, well, you know, I'm not Mark Cuban. It's not going to affect me. These are uh, negative rates to central banks around the world. And, and is it, it is going to affect you, ladies and gentlemen. And it, and it will affect you more than it's going to affect Mark Cuban yeah. and any of these other billionaires. They're taking you for a ride. And they're using you, your wealth, your you know, you your, know trust. your trust. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They bamboozled you, mm-hmm. and if push comes to shove, they're going to come up with some cock and bull story about why this thing blew up in everybody's face. And in order to try to make it good, they're going to find that'll be used as an excuse to take whatever wealth you've got left. Right? They're not going to say, oh, gee, we are really sorry. We screwed things up, and we're just terrible. Sorry about it. Uh-uh. They're not going to take any responsibility for the problem when it manifests, and they will be looking for somebody to bail the system out. And who will that someone be, Melody? It'll be the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart, you can tell them where to jump. All right. And really, the only way you're going to fight, you know, you know, I have to be careful how I say this, but the only way that you can really protect yourself against that also is by having something that's private. Having something that uh, is real. I mean, they can devalue your paper. I don't care what type of of form in which you store it in, whether it be cash at the bank, whether it be stocks, whether it be bonds, whether it be, you know, gold certificates over in, you know, Timbuktu or wherever. You know, the physical gold is very important to own, and that's your way to fight back and to protect what you have. Well, we're headed for, I mean, we live in interesting times. There's no question about it. And uh, and I want to talk about that when we come back from our break. Well, we're uh, not leaving for another four minutes. 
So you Who may as well so? talk about it. I said so. <laughs> Frank won't turn. He won't turn on the. But he won't turn on the bumper music four minutes ahead of the break, Melody. And we got some other things. He doesn't to talk turn about. it on four minutes after when we're. Well, late let me finish, and maybe I can get it done within four minutes. What I wanted to mention is also the Wall Street Journal came out, and they started talking about the precious metals IRA and home delivery, and it's like you know it was it was pretty much of a. You know, well, these people say this, these people say that. They really didn't take a side on this issue. But again, folks, you know, the Internal Revenue Service, it warns taxpayers to be wary of anyone claiming that precious metals held in your IRA can be stored at home or in a safety deposit box. I talked about this today earlier on a program that I was on this morning. And, uh, you have, and, and you know, you have TV commercials you know, older people hold standing there saying, hey, it's great, you know, open up an LLC so you can store your precious metals at home or in a bank safety deposit box. And folks, you know what? These firms that tell you to do this, they have huge disclaimers. They don't provide legal tax or investment advice. So while you're there trying to prove to the IRS that you didn't benefit from any of the assets in any way, they're going to be there counting their money. They charge, what, 500 to to 1000 dollars just to open up these IRAs for you? So unless you have su- sufficient funds to pay for an attorney, sufficient funds to pay for a tax accountant, um, you, you need to be worried getting into these programs. And... Um, and it's very enticing. I get that. You think you have privacy. You think you have protection from the government. But what about the first case that goes to court against the IRS? It's a matter of time until that happens. And uh, I wouldn't want to be that person uh, to but be you there. Are, you're not, you're, just to be clear about this, we're not saying that you shouldn't store your gold at home or someplace that's easily accessible. We I'm talking about IRAs. About IRAs and we're I'm saying talking strictly about the home storage IRAs that you have a couple of dealers across this country that are pushing this very heavily. And, uh, and I think there's such huge loopholes and problems with this situation that a lot of people are going to get caught. And a lot of people will say, well, look, they're not going to find my gold. I'm not going to give up my gold. You know, they have to, you know, take me to jail or, or whatever. Well, you know what, folks? What they'll do is they'll put liens on your property. They'll freeze your bank accounts. How do you provide for your family when that all happens? So, I mean, there's you got to think about things. Well, you what have you to say, do, we, live in, we live in interesting times, and there is no absolutely do, safe solution, and you have to be responsible for your own for your own survival. But these, That's what people it comes are get, or these people are getting talked into saying that this is a safe and uh, a legitimate program. And so you have to be very careful and look at the worst case scenario. What can happen? I don't recommend these at all. If you want your physical delivery of your gold, you cancel your IRA, you pay your taxes, you pay your fees or whatever, you buy your gold outright and take delivery. That's the only way to do it when you're working with your IRA, forget the home storage, and I think we're going to break. 
I think we were going about 35 seconds ago, but you're right. We're Now we're going for sure. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Caesarstrom on Financial Survival, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. What's next, Melody? Um, well, we had talked about uh, Trump is saying that U.S. interest rates must change. Yep. Headline from Reuters. Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump said Monday that the U.S. Central Bank has created a false economy. That's a true story. And the interest rates should change. They're keeping the rates down so that everything else doesn't go down, Trump said in response to a reporter's uh, question. Um, we have a very fake economy, he said. And he's right. He means manipulated. You know, the idea behind an economy is, is that you and I will, between us, we will figure out what the prices should be for cars and homes and food and whatever else it is we want and need. This is what a free market is all about. You say it's worth $100. I say it's worth 50 Maybe we settle on 75 It's about price discovery. 
and the free markets. In the manipulated markets, the government, in its infinite wisdom, has decided it will discover what the prices are and declare what the prices are to significant degree. Now, they're not sitting down and exactly saying the price of beef is going to be this today and be steel, but nevertheless, they are influencing the prices enough where they're essentially controlling the prices. In doing so, they deprive, they deprive us of the benefit of a free market. And we need that because... When you and I sit down and argue about what the price of something should be, we ultimately, insofar as, insofar as we come to a good conclusion, say, yeah, it really should be 75 bucks. 100 is too high, 50 is too low, it really should be 75. It means that capital will be properly allocated into that particular investment. Not too much, not too little, just right. All right, a little bit like Goldilocks. But the government says, no, we're smarter than that. We can do a better job of allocating credit and moving and, and capital and, and controlling the economy. And all they've done is mess it up. They have created something now that is so far away from a free market that they can't get back to a free market without collapsing the existing market. There's no way out of this mess. There's no easy way out. We're not just going to appoint some new chairman of the Federal Reserve and they're going to have some brilliant idea on how to resolve our problems. There is no way to resolve current problems without abandoning the fiat monetary system and somehow getting rid of the national debt. If we're not going to get rid of the debt-based monetary system, the debt-based economy, the national debt, how, how can we proceed? How can we continue? The end is drawing nigh, and Trump, he says, look, we've got a fake economy. Well, he's aware of it, and he also says that the interest rates must change. Indeed, they must. Why? Because we have we talked a little bit earlier in the program about the liability, the jeopardy, je, je, the, uh, the vulnerability that people having pension funds, they're, they're in jeopardy right now. They're vulnerable. Why? Because the interest rate's so low. You need 7 8% a year in order to generate a de enough return on your pension funds, your, the investments, the, the bonds in there, in order to produce a viable retirement when you finally decide, okay, it's time to stop working and live off, what, off the pension fund. But you're not getting that. You're getting a percent and a half, 2%. It's not enough. All right? And when... They're arguing that if we keep the interest rate down, it will stimulate, it will cause more people to borrow. And when they borrow more, they'll spend more, and that will stimulate industry and we'll have more jobs and everything will just, will, they're saying we can lift ourselves up by our bootstraps, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps if we just keep the interest rate low. But while we're keeping interest rate low, we are ruining the wealth that's been accumulated by people who have brains enough to one, produce, and two, save. They're being wiped out, right? And you are all vulnerable, and all of us are vulnerable on this. This is a terrible situation. They are killing creditors in order to feed the consumers, and the creditors are the ones that actually are associated with producing product. Pie. You know, we use that thing, everybody gets a slice of the pie. If we produce more pie, we all get a bigger slice. If we produce less pie, some of us may not get anything. This productivity is a function of capital, and the capital is being destroyed by the government maintaining interest rates at, ex at irrationally low levels. And Trump is correct. 
interest rates must change. And what he's telling me, at least, what I, I read this, interest rates may not change this year. If Trump is going to be elected, they aren't going to change. I doubt that they'll change the interest rates before Trump is elected. I don't think that's going to happen. Some people talk about it this month. We'll watch and see. I don't think it'll happen. I think I think it'll be after Trump is not only it'll elected. It'll be after the election. Yeah, but Maybe even December. then, I think it may even be after Trump takes office. If they were to do this right now, if they were even after Trump is elected, assuming he's elected in November, on November, he's elected on November 8th or whatever the Tuesday is, he's elected and ta-da, then what? They're going to raise interest rates on November 15th or December 15th no. or whatever? I don't think so. I think they'll wait till he takes office and they won't blame this on Barack Obama. But the well, thing, the thing of it that is, they'll raise it, we'll see some sort of a crash, and maybe they can pin that tail on Trump. Probably not, but they'll try to. Well, I think I do believe the markets will fall if Trump is elected. I mean, yeah, I do believe, if and if, if they fall, they're not going to raise rates at all. No, they won't raise rates at all. But the problem that the government got themselves into, and the central bankers got themselves into, is they can't raise rates. They can't afford to pay the interest on the debt. The national Those debt. bonds will have to, and Trump has even said it. Oh, well, we'll just renegotiate those bonds. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'm telling you, folks, there isn't anything that they can do. This, in today's world or economy, you're enjoying your jobs, those that are working and so forth. This is really the calm before the storm because there isn't any direction in which they can go into. If we have 7 or 8% rates a year, a 7 or 8% interest rate, I mean, inflation will be running rampant. So that's the only way those rates are going to be raised, is well, while we're having hyperinflation, they'll do what they did before, they'll raise the rates, but in the meantime, they have to address that interest on the debt, and that will have to be defaulted on or renegotiated. I mean, that's all they can do. Well, when so they Trump are talks between the rock and the hard Renegotiate, place. renegotiate the debt. That means if you've got a hundred thousand right. dollars in your pension fund that's denominated in U.S. bonds, it means that Mr. Trump is saying, "Well, we'll just renegotiate." It means, means that your hundred thousand dollars will turn into fifty thousand dollars. We'll negotiate. We'll renegotiate. It was a gee, we can't pay a hundred thousand dollars on that bond we owe you, but we'll renegotiate. And how would you like to take fifty thousand dollars instead? <laughs> and if you don't want it, then you get nothing. And right? that's the only We're way. We're going to give you a haircut. All right, you still lose. This is your pension. This is your wealth. It's going to disappear, and it's not only going to adversely affect you. It's going to adversely affect the buy the banks that are holding some of these bonds as collateral in their vaults. It will reduce their ability to lend money to consumers to buy flat screen TVs, new cars, new homes, the rest of that. Everything. We can't renegotiate the bonds, and we can't pay the bonds. What are we going to do? We are darned if we do and darned if we don't. They'll give you a 7 or 8% interest rate a year, and people will say, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to negotiate your pensions. There's $20 trillion sitting there in pensions and retirement accounts. Do you think you're going to walk away with that? Do you think they're just going to let that sit there idly when they are bankrupt and broke? 
I mean, haven't you learned yet that your money is their money? Your work is their work? I mean, doesn't anybody get it? Well, we're going to. And the, I guarantee everybody's going to get it. Yeah, they're going to get you know, it already. They're going to get it they're good and hard. That's what's going to happen. They're going to get it good and hard before we're done with this thing. But you're going to learn. And you can either learn now when you have a chance to apply your learning and protect your wealth, or you can sit back and wait until the inevitable takes place. And when the inevitable does take place and everything crashes down around your head and you say, now I get it. Now I understand what those people are talking about. It'll be too late. There isn't going to be a market for your paper, or at least not at the value that you're, that you are depending on. So I don't know, you know, we are just caught in a, again, darned if we do and darned if we don't, there is no reasonable painless solution to our problem. It is the same reason why people are in the stock market. They're chasing the yield. Hey, whenever you chase the yield, you're carrying a lot more risk to your portfolio. And it's the only place you can find a yield. They know that. Don't you think that they manipulate? Don't you think Wall Street and Washington, they all work together to manipulate so they can get the most as they can? They trade your accounts so they can continue to create you know, commissions and commissions and get their little wheels going and staying spun. So, you know, was it, what was it, um, what was it, yeah, last year, I think it was. I mean, the, the, the bonuses for Wall Street, mm-hmm. you know, I and can't they even. giving us bonuses for putting up with their crapola. <laughs> we should be getting bonuses, and I mean significant bonus every year. We're going to give you an extra $20,000 a year. Okay, because <laughs> you're dumb enough to believe the crap government puts up. That's your bonus. Now, of course, that would only go to people who have over a quarter million dollars in their pension funds. And they're going to get $20,000 as a bonus, and they're going to have their pension fund reduced by 50%. So you get 20 to the good and 125 to the bad. Um, Merry Christmas, and the government is here to help you. Uh what the government is here doing, the only way that any of this makes sense with the super low interest rates, they are trying to avoid a, defa- a default on government bonds. Of course, that's it. That's, that's, that's the only yeah, way this makes sense. sense. They think they claim, oh, we're trying to stimulate the economy. It hasn't stimulated the economy. They've been doing this for several years now without much success. It hasn't worked. It's time to admit that that excuse, that rationalization is invalid. If if you're not going to stimulate the economy, what benefit can be found out of low interest rates? And the answer is government is able to borrow quite a lot of money at next to nothing. And they'll leave the debt for the children, the grandchildren, maybe you in your retirement. Hard to say, but the debt keeps rising and rising. And that's a problem. Yeah, no. That is it's going to destroy this economy and maybe the nation. And some people say, oh, that's crazy talk. That's wild rhetoric. And the rest of it, yeah, it was crazy talk. When if anyone even, no one even imagined that the Soviet Union was going to be destroyed. But what finally crippled and destroyed the Soviet Union? And the answer was a big, non-productive government that promised everything to anyone You vote for me, and I'll see you get a free car. No, a free house. No, a free mansion. We're going to give you everything because we like you, and you're entitled just because you're here. 
That's essentially, it's an exaggeration, of course, but it's essentially the idea behind communism. You're entitled, you just show up, you're entitled to have this, what everybody else has. They can't do it, though. You are only entitled to what you have earned and what you have produced. And insofar as we tell you you're entitled to consume, you are not entitled to consume. You're entitled, they mandated to produce, and then you get to consume according to how much, how much you've actually produced. The Soviet Union, the government of the Soviet Union, they went ahead and they promised people communism. We're all equal. It's all sounds like a great idea in a lot of regards, but it's stupid because it does not reward the producer. It only promises, makes promises to the consumers, more promises than can be delivered because you don't have enough producers, and the whole thing flew, fell apart. What's happening in this country? We have consumerism, which is just a variation on the same idea they promoted in communism. You get to spend money even if you didn't earn it. We'll take the money from the people who earn it, and we'll give it to the people who sit on their butts. What happened? The whole country blew up. And before they were done, they suffered a tenured, they suffered, suffered a decade of organized crime, violence, diminishing life expectancy. Everybody paid for that. We got into the free lunch. They, the communists promoted we would have a free lunch for all the comrades. And the comrades were dumb enough to buy it. And in the end, blew up in their faces, and they probably shortened their lives on average, I don't know, 10 years maybe during that period. Same thing's going to happen here if we're not careful or smart. Protect yourself. Protect yourself, all right? Get what you need to protect yourself against what is an inevitable calamity headed our way. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's you, bad. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Good evening, and welcome to America Betrayed. If this is your first night joining us, this is our third session that we've had since I came back after being ill for many years. Uh, the first uh, time back, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we uncovered uh, the true story of Jimmy Hoffa, what happened to him, who killed him, and what they did with him. A man by the name of John Sorello is the one who shot him, and he was... Uh, uh, ground up on a pig farm in northern Michigan. Uh, that's the true story of uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, the second uh, segment uh, last week uh, was uh, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono was assassinated by elements of her own government. He was going to expose uh, all the criminality in our government. Uh, when he got back to Washington, D.C., they could not let him get back. Uh, tonight, in the second half of our show, uh, we're going to be talking about my cousin Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Marilyn Monroe was my cousin, which I found out about six, seven years ago. We're going to get into detail of that to show how she was assassinated, not the garbage that they fed uh, the, the public. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to get her body exhumed one day uh, and prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she was assassinated. Also, my guest tonight is going to be Frank George. Frank George is a friend of mine that I've known for many, many years. He's been involved in uh, the battle to try to save this country. He's originally from Cuba. He's been fighting like uh, nobody you would uh, ever see. I mean, I've seen him down at the border uh, many times, uh, putting himself in danger uh, just to try to get the, uh, to stop this uh, invasion from Mexico and also now the Muslim invasion, which we're going to be talking about. He did have an uh, encounter in Wyoming where he lives now uh, with uh, uh, putting on a demonstration against these so-called migrants, uh, migrant invasions. So um, we're going to um, get to that, and then. Uh, but right now, I'd like to uh, uh, read something. Uh, this was from 2008. Uh, now, in 2008, when I first started my radio show, we exposed Obama as being a boarding Kenyan and everything else. That came from uh, uh, Phil Berg, uh, who was uh, uh, at that time a deputy attorney general of uh, Pennsylvania. Hillary Clinton had given him all the information, but nobody would listen. We tried to warn people then, but nobody would listen. But this is a, you know, he, he said it even beforehand what he was going to do to this country, but nobody listened. This is uh, from Meet the Press from uh, September 7th, 2008. He was asked about his stance on the American flag. General Bill Gann, U.S. Air Force retired, asked Obama to explain why he doesn't follow protocol when the national anthem was played. The general stated to Obama that according to the United States Code, Title VI, 36, Chapter 10, Section 171, during rendition of the national anthem when the flag is displayed, all present except those in uniform are expected to stand at attention facing the flag with the right hand over the heart, or at the very least stand and face it. Senator Obama replied, as I've said about the flag pin, I don't want to be perceived as taking sides. There are a lot of people in the world to whom the American flag is a symbol of oppression. The anthem itself conveys a warlike message. You know, the bombs bursting in there and all that sort of thing. Obama continued, the national anthem should be swapped for something like less uh, parochial and less bellicose. I'd like the song, I'd like to teach the world to sing. If that were our anthem, then I might salute it. In my opinion, we should consider reinventing our national anthem as well as redesign our flag to better offer our enemies hope and love. It's my intention, if elected to disarm America, to the level of acceptance to our Middle East brethren. If we as a nation of warring people conduct ourselves like the nations of Islam, hope you don't choke on this one, 
where peace prevails, perhaps a state or period of mutual accord could exist between our governments. When I become president, I will seek a pact of agreement to end hostilities with those who have been at war or in a state of enemy and a freedom from disquieting oppressive, oppressive thoughts as we as a nation have placed upon the nations of Islam. An unfair injustice, which is why my wife disrespects the flag, and she and I have attended several flag-burning ceremonies in the past. Of course, now I have found myself about to become president of the United States, and I put my hatred aside with, will use my power to bring change to this nation and offer the people a new path. My wife and I look forward to becoming our country's first black family. Indeed, change is about to overwhelm the United States of America. That was him in 2008. He said it all even before what he's doing. He's destroying our military, supposedly bringing it down to the same level as uh, what is in uh, the Middle East. And this nonsense of them all living in peace is just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, this man is a psycho. Uh, He is a Muslim. He is a communist. Uh, He is a homosexual. He has homosexual past. Uh, Reverend Wright uh, was... uh, owned uh, the gay uh, uh, bathhouse that uh, he frequented in uh, Ramy. Now, we'll get into that uh, later. Uh, but right now, what i like to do is uh, bring in um, uh, Frank George. Frank George, like I said, has been involved with uh, uh, the illegal immigration uh, uh, issue for many, many years. Uh, we were down at the border together. I interviewed him for one of my films uh, uh, many years ago. I think it was back in 2007 when the Minutemen first started. But uh, I'd like to welcome uh, uh, Frank George on the air. Uh, Frank, good evening. Well, good evening, John, and welcome back. I'm glad to see that you're back on the air again. We missed you, sir. Well, thanks, George. Uh, but uh, you're a great patriot, and uh, like I said, you, you're out there fighting much more than the so-called Americans that are saying, we don't want this, they don't get off their lazy asses and uh, do something about it. Uh, you do. I mean, uh, um you know, um, also, before we get started here, uh, Frank, I want to uh, bring on uh, uh, Rattlesnake Ray. I think you remember Rattlesnake Ray. He's my co-host. Uh, normally, he comes on the second half second half hour, but since you're on tonight, uh, he'd like to be on with you and, and also uh, hear about what's happening with uh, this Muslim invasion of our country. Uh, Ray, are you there? It sounds like uh, just about the same that's been going on for years. I'm the same thing down to the border. Oh, yeah. Did I just hang on for a second? I'm here, okay. I just had to blow a little bit of that gunpowder off the barrel of this, this pistol here. But uh, uh, same thing, same thing, John. No change. Yeah. What about, you know, I've heard many times where the Muslims are going to come down there, and, and the Muslims and also this Black Lives Matter are going to come down and get the you cowboys. Do you think that's a, a chance? Well, we've heard it. It you know, went right back to, uh, what, what was it, the Martin Luther King uh, controversy they had in Arizona. And they said a bunch of the, uh, well, it, it was before Crack Lives Matter. They, they were the, the same people who now are, are in Crack Lives Matter. They were coming down out of Chicago to uh, teach us a lesson, take care of us. Uh, we just haven't seen any of them. And, you know, we've had to recycle a lot of ammunition, so we just burnt through you know, fifteen, twenty thousand rounds of ammo per per man, and uh, 
they they just haven't showed up. I don't know why. We're getting tired of shooting at uh, targets and jackrabbits out in the desert. So anytime they want to come down, they're they're welcome. Open invitation, John. Well, open I've, invitation. I, I've seen you in action, Ray, and I've heard about some of the things that you've done, and I don't think that they'd be really stupid to go down there with you guys. Uh, really stupid. But right now we're going to uh, get back to Frank George. Uh, like I said, Frank had a... Uh, uh, a demonstration, a rally in uh, in Wyoming to uh, try to highlight the, the invasion of the Muslim so-called migrants into uh, Wyoming. And uh, from what he's told me and from what I've heard, uh, it's just really sickening of what uh, uh, so-called white people, Americans, are, are accepting of these Muslim savages. Uh, j- just incredible. And when I say Muslim savages, I'm talking about people who follow the Koran. If they follow the Koran, to me, they're the work of uh, Lucifer. Because in the Quran it says that Allah is the number one deceiver. That, to me, is Lucifer. So in all their actions, that's what it proves to me. Okay, Frank, let's get that to your uh, thing that you had in uh, uh, Wyoming. What, what exactly happened up there? Okay, what happened, John, is that uh, <clears throat> about a year and a half ago, a local family in Gillette, Wyoming, that goes by the last name of Khan, K-H-A-N, Muslim family, decided that they wanted to erect, put up a mosque in Gillette, Wyoming. So they did, and that stirred up the dust. People started coming out, looking at it. There were unpleasant words that were said back and forth. And uh, there are right now in Wyoming between six and seven mosques. So uh, there has been anger at the fact that there's a mosque in Gillette, Wyoming, and there were some small protests. Well, we decided to put on a rally, Ban Islam in Wyoming is what it was called. It took place this last Saturday, the 27th, 2016. It ran from noon to a little bit shy of um, of 3 p.m. If anybody wants to see the videos that we shot of our our little adventure, you can see it on wyomingagainstislam.com, wyomingagainstislam.com. Well, we tailored it so that we could snag in the mainstream media as best we could, and we also became our own media in case anybody wanted to leave us out. We had a turnout of about 15 on our side, and opposing us were about 30 from a group that uh, bills itself as... Uh, uh, don't hate in Wyoming or something like that. They're a group of liberals, mostly white, I, very few persons of any other ethnicity, just white. And uh, we did have a Quran burning. The stations that covered that, there were about three different stations that came out, TV, radio, and such, did not, uh, did not include video footage of the Quran burning. They would not do it out of respect to the Muslims. But we videoed it, and again, if you want to see the Quran burning, go to wyomingagainstislam.com, scroll down through the page, and you will see Chelsea Roan uh, burning the Quran along with her husband, John Roan. Now, the, the Roans are a couple who are white nationalists, and they're very good people. I don't see anything wrong with uh, their particular brand of white nationalism at all. They love their country. They love their race. And they don't like Islam because they recognize it for the problem that it is. We had a rancher. He was our first speaker, rancher Michael Elmore, born in Gillette. He gave us a 30-minute course on Islam, and he was excellent. He told us that uh, Islam is not a fit. He started with the birth of Muhammad and who Muhammad is. So you can find that video there. It's on that page also, wyomingagainstislam.com. 
And uh, anyone who's not familiar with Islam will learn quite a bit just by listening to him. So um, the rally was quite good. We rated it as having been a success. Now, some of the people on our side did not like the idea of burning the Quran, so they left respectfully when that moment came. I can burn it all day long. I'll burn 20 of them a day. I'll burn 40 or 50 of them a day. Burn it all day long. All it is is a manual of evil. We were told by a lot of these folks, well, you know, they have constitutional rights, and religion is protected by the Constitution. And I said, look, uh, this is organized crime dressed up to look like religion for those who are willing to accept that. So I do not consider it a, a religion at all. What if Al Capone decided that in order to legitimize himself, he was going to start a church and deceive everybody? Right, it would still exactly, be organized yeah, for, crime. Yeah. Frank, you're, you're absolutely right on this. I mean, uh, uh, first off, Islam does not belong in any Western country because it's their goal to overthrow and uh, completely control the entire world. I mean, that, that's their goal. Uh, their insidious uh, uh, function, uh, they, uh, you know, when, they, when they're marrying uh, six- and seven-year-old girls and, and uh, uh, stoning uh, women to death and uh, and I just don't understand the women wearing these uh, mercas and uh, covering themselves up and, and going along with this nonsense. They have a chance to get away, but they're even promoting it much more the, here uh, than, than the men are. Uh, and what's really disturbing is that we, there's 300 sanctuary cities in this country. Sanctuary cities, not only for the illegal aliens, but protecting uh, the Muslims. The Muslims have taken over some cities in, in Michigan uh, where sure. you can't go. Uh, you know, if you're American, you can't go there. And don't think that uh, this isn't going to happen nationwide. Now, we do have one hope, as possibly Donald Trump. Uh, I know he just went down to uh, Mexico to try to uh, smooth things over with the Mexican president. Uh, from my, uh, I know his cousin, uh, the president of Mexico, and I uh, talked to him earlier tonight. And he said it looks like things are working very well. Uh, things He's patched things over, and, and he did a very good job uh, uh, down there in Mexico. So let's hope that we can do this because we're not only being invaded from Mexico, which has been going on for many years, as you well know. You've been down the border many times. Ray, you know it because you live a mile from the border with your ranch down there. I still don't see how you can uh, uh, put up with it. Ray, uh, what, what do you think about what uh, Frank has just said about what happened up in Wyoming? How do you feel about that? Well, first of all, I'd, I'd have to say being in Wyoming and have a very good friend of mine who does have a large ranch in Wyoming. I think Frank has endeared himself to the people of Wyoming more than he could possibly even uh, realize on his own. Uh, I think what he did up there, he, that's an American. You're standing up for the United States of America, and I honestly believe that these Muslims, along with uh, the chief, Muslim in chief himself, the reason they say he, you know, he's a constitutional scholar, a constitutional lawyer, is he he studied the Constitution. The same with the rest of the communists in this country that are in his administration. They studied the Constitution in order to use it against us. And that is what I believe that these Muslims are doing. They, they've found out our Constitution, well, it's freedom of religion and, and uh, you know, free speech. And I do believe they're using it against the American people, and we've got so many American people who've just been pounded with this white guilt, this uh, anti, 
Americanism, this anti-patriotic uh, feeling that just pervades this country since we've got old Muslim in office almost eight years ago. That uh, but people are they're easily led. They follow the uh, you know follow they're led around by their nose, and and what Frank is doing is exposing. The, these people, he's shining the light on the rat. He's just, on, you know, on, on, the on, light on the kitchen, and the cockroaches are scurrying. Cockroaches on the rat. You know, you, you see where uh, uh, psycho John McCain has been reelected, and also our uh, slimeball uh, Rubio uh, in Florida. Now, uh, like I've said on the past shows, they control all the voting machines. And what I mean by that, Diebold, makes the voting machines, and who was on the board of directors may still be his ex-Senator Hagel. Now, Senator Hagel, when he ran for uh, uh, senator in, in uh, Nebraska, he ran against Ben Nelson, who was a favorite, but yet uh, Hagel won by 80%. I did a little investigation years ago and found out that he was on the board of directors of Diebold. And if you remember, not too long ago, uh, the uh, Muslim in the White House appointed him as Secretary of Defense. That was his reward because Diebold counted the votes in uh, uh, 2008. Uh, they had the deck stacked. Uh, they've tipped the balance of, of even if of le legitimate voting, uh, we can't outvote them. Uh, there's uh, really, uh, unless Donald Trump is legit and comes in and does it right, the only other option we have is God has to step in, because if Hillary becomes president, it is all over, period. Uh, Frank, did you uh, want to get into anything that, that, you know, the video I sent you about uh, Michelle Obama and that? Did you want to talk about that at all? Uh, I saw the video. It was most interesting. It was done in Spanish. I think I'd run across it before, but never paid as much attention as I did this time. And the central point here is that Michelle Obama is not a woman, but a transgendered individual who was at one time a little boy and went um, gender reassignment, as one would call it. Uh, being that this is Barack Obama, I, I don't rule it out of the um, realm of possibility. Uh, you know, Barack Obama's a weirdo. And there's just something wrong with the whole picture of Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, uh, the whole thing. So I would say, yeah, it's possible. It's possible that uh, Michelle is actually or was at one time Michael, and to my way of thinking, even if she went uh, and had uh, surgery, I would still say that it's Michael. And a lot right. of people have commented upon that prior to this video having been produced actually several years ago, I believe, but in Spanish. And this was shocking. Right. John Rivers, uh, I think, paid the price. It, it suggested that she was taken off because she's the one that first yeah. exposed it to the public, calling uh, Michelle Obama a tranny. Uh, for you folks out there that don't have this number, if you'd like to call in, uh, you want to talk to Frank or Rattlesnake Ray or myself, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. Again, 800-932-1980. Call in. You want to say uh, you're full of crap or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Just call in. But, yeah, we have to do something. Don't forget now, we are boycotting uh, certain businesses. Uh, one target, which has uh, really taken a hit, uh, about $10 billion they've lost uh, because they don't want normal families into their uh, uh, restrooms. They want these uh, uh, sodomites and whatever, whatever they call them into the ladies' restroom. Uh, also, Dasani Yogurt, uh, the owner of Dasani Yogurt, wants to bring in millions of Muslims. Uh, so we want to keep that boycott. Also, Starbucks uh, only wants sodomites in the store. 
uh, doesn't want normal families. So uh, that, that's another one to keep up. We, that's the only way we're going to get to these people is hit them where it hurts, and that's in the pocketbook. Uh, in the uh, next few weeks, we're going to be uh, getting into more uh, uh, so-called conspiracy theories that uh, have been going on. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about D.B. Cooper, the true story of D.B. Cooper. I think you'll be shocked when you hear the, the story about this. Also, why Martin Luther King was assassinated. Also, the real story of JFK, RFK, and JFK Jr., and my old friend, Ted Gunderson. Ted used to be head of the FBI office in Los Angeles, where I did get a lot of this information. They assassinated him also because he was exposing the fact that uh, these uh, slime balls in Washington, D.C., and they are slime, uh, were uh, committing satanic sacrifices and sex parties with uh, these young kids that disappear. Uh, Chandra Levy uh, was one perfect example. They blamed it on an illegal alien, her uh, being murdered, but it came out that it was a sex group up in uh, Capitol Hill. Now, uh, we're coming up on the break here. Uh, we're going to pl- be playing a, a, a song by, uh, was one of my guests many years ago, uh, Ray Stevens. I think uh, uh, you'll enjoy it. And then we're going to have another song that really feels how I feel. Uh, it's an oldie but goodie. And again, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. After the break, we'll be getting into Marilyn Monroe, why she was uh, uh, assassinated, and uh, we'll go from there. See you after the break. Singing the blues. 
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Hello, this is 
Assistance Program, a taxpayer-funded division of Oaknut for Spanish Press 1, Portuguese 2, Arabic 3, Farsi 4, French 5, Swahili 6, German 7, Italian 8, and if you insist on English, please stand by. If you think about illegal immigration, be careful when you're choosing the nation, because breaking the law in some countries is frowned upon. Imagine that. Sneak into China, they'll call you a spy and ship you to Mongolia till you die. And in the Sudan, they'll hang you and the camel you rode in on. <laughs> yeah, and don't go hiking and enter Iran or you might never be heard from again. And in Mexico, you might face a firing squad. and driver's license and credit cards and license plates for your car. Lots of jobs for you to do and employers who'll turn a blind eye to. Come to the USA. No need to worry about the Constitution. We'll help you start a house of prostitution if that's the kind of work that you want to do. and cable TV and food stamps and even government cheese. The borders are a swinging door. Go home for a visit and come back for more. There's sanctuary and amnesty. Bring the whole fam damnly eventually. Yeah, come to the USA. This has been a public service message sponsored by Oaknut, dedicated to the collapse of the American way of life. <laughs> yeah. One of my guests a few years ago, that was Ray Stevens, and I think it really puts it all in a nutshell that these invaders are coming in, getting all this free stuff, becoming an American citizen. Uh, a woman comes across the border and falls across the border, and then uh, the child becomes a U.S. citizen. And illegal Cubans, once they're processed, they get $10,000 in cash, free medical, and a low-interest business loan. Uh, this half hour, like I said, we're going to get into uh, the killing of my cousin, uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I want to uh, just give a little bit of history on her for those of you who don't know. I mean, I think most people know who Marilyn Monroe was, but for the younger generation, I just want to give you a little outline here. Norma Jean Baker, also known as Marilyn Monroe, made her mark in just a very few years. The glamour girl of Hollywood was the envy of women and the desire of men. But who really was this glamour girl? Let's 
get back to the beginning. Norma Jean Baker was the daughter of Gladys Pearl Monroe and Martin Mortensen. She was born June 1st, 1926. Marilyn, at that time, married Mr. James Edward Doherty. After her divorce on June 19th, she then married Mr. Joe DiMaggio in 1954. Once again, after her divorce to DiMaggio, Marilyn happily married Mr. Arthur Miller in New York City. Three men, all failed marriages. Why? Norma Jean was still that little girl looking for the father she never had, and her father left when she was only three years old. Later, when she became Marilyn, she found her father, but he didn't want anything to do with her. On top of that, her mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and was committed to a mental hospital in Norway, California. Not a good foundation for one to build on. Now, let's get back to the story about my cousin and how I found out she was my cousin. Well, I don't want to get too uh, much of that. I found out I had to do a uh, genealogy search. I paid somebody to do a genealogy search. It came back. Nor- there was Norman Jean Baker. So I did a little uh, uh, research uh, investigating into this to find out exactly what happened. And uh, I found out that uh, Joe Kennedy was um, uh, the one that gave the order to have her uh, killed because she said she was going to expose JFK and RFK. And uh, he thought she would ruin it for both uh, uh, JFK and RFK, so he gave the order to Sam Giacana. And uh, Frank Sinatra had called her up to uh, Lake Tahoe to try to talk her out of it, and uh, Sam Giacana was there, and uh, he wanted to see if she was really as messed up as uh, Joe Kennedy said she was. He saw that she was, so he gave the order to have her killed. Um the man who uh, killed her injected her. Uh, he was also an electronics expert. He had to make sure everything was erased from the recording equipment that they had put in Marilyn's house, including Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa had bugged her house. He wanted dirt on the Kennedys. He felt it was the Kennedys that put him in prison. And also uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover hated the Kennedys. He knew that uh, John Kennedy was going to uh, get rid of um, him because he didn't like homosexuals. But here was a poor, undefended girl all alone in a frightening world, murdered by people that so many Americans looked up to as the ruthless killers of my cousin Marilyn. And from what I understand from my source that gave me this information, uh, JFK and RFK were ruthless killers almost as much as the the Clintons. So, uh, Frank or uh, Ray, you have any comments on, on this? Hello? Oh, wait a minute. We got, we got a phone call. Uh, we got a call in here. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. X, you're on the on the show. Hi, John. Long time I haven't spoken to your radio show. Um, I just wanted to give you a call and let you know some new stuff that's going on. Um, so, um, But I might be getting in the middle of the thing going on with Myrna Monroe here, so I'm not too sure if I should be speaking quite yet. Well, uh, w- w- real quick, uh, what can what can you tell us? You're you're down talking by the border, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm right over here by the border. I'm about uh, three and a half miles behind the mountains in San Diego, and um, I, of course, I've continued to do my work. I've I've been very fortunate and very blessed by God to be able to have um, been able to be successful here in the South Bay, and. Um, you know, with uh, a lot of the, the things of the illegal aliens and stuff going on, um, throughout the the last year or so, I've been involved with things that have to do with uh, people from other countries um, 
not necessarily from Mexico, that are also uh, illegal aliens coming in here. And I've been lucky enough to be able to be there where they're being questioned and stuff. Uh, you know, people don't realize that illegal aliens are not just from Mexico. They're also from Europe and other places. I had a meeting with a guy that was from Holland who happened to be involved with um, um, being involved with uh, some Russian people coming in, into Holland and beginning to take, you know, getting into the Dutch government. And um, they were stopped, fortunately. And so it's been kind of an adventure over here. The things are getting, you know, really weird, um, you know, with, with uh, Russia and with other countries. And in the Middle East, you know, they, they, they come down to Mexico. They acclimate to the society of Mexico. And, and before you know it, they speak good Spanish. And they come over, they get their passports, and they come over with passports of people that have died and they speak perfect Spanish, and they're infiltrating our country by by acting like they're Mexicans with other people's birth certificates, and they're uh, in Mr. here. X. Mr. X, I think you have a, a lot of information there. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you on as my guest ne- next week and uh, really go into full detail, okay? Is that all right with you? Uh, yes, yes, that, that sounds very interesting. Um, yeah, I'll have, you know, I got I'll have shot you not week. too long ago. That. <laughs> All right, Josh. Okay, we'll thanks, thanks for calling, Mr. X. Okay, okay uh, back to uh, Marilyn. Uh, uh, Ray or uh, Frank, do you have any comments? Hello? Ray, are you there? Frank? Oh, Frank is... Uh, Gone. Ray, are you there? No, he's not. Okay. I guess uh, they left. Well, uh, next week, like I said, we're going to have uh, Mr. X on the show. It sounds like he has a lot of information to talk about what's happening down the border of the San Diego area. Uh, he used to call into my show uh, a number of times years ago. Uh, he's very has a lot of information, so I think we want to hear uh, that. I wanted to get this uh, uh, about Maryland because I think it's really a tragedy that uh, they keep uh, doing this to people, uh, killing them the same M.O., uh, same thing with uh, JFK, RFK, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, JFK Jr. Uh, it, it just keeps going on and on. And now six or seven people have died connected with the Clintons and the uh, DNC. Uh, also, uh, Ted Gunderson, who was a great guy, he was yeah, the head of the FBI office in Los Angeles when it was a good organization. Now it's just crap. Uh, don't believe a word anything they, uh, these people say. Uh, everything is uh, corrupt, but uh, being corrupt now is not illegal. Uh, that's really a shame what's happened to this country. I mean, look what we have. We have uh, uh, this, uh, I don't know what, what you call her, uh, uh, Hillary. I mean, uh, far left, she says she's going to bring in... Uh, uh, all these uh, illegals. She wants to bring in all the Muslims. Uh, and before you know it, there won't be in the United States of America. I mean, I, I think it's on the surface, from what I see, it's toast. I mean, we really can't outvote these people. Uh, we can't. Uh, uh, they have everything stacked deck. Like I said, they control the voting machines. Uh, illegal aliens have been voting in our elections for at least 25 years that I know of. Uh, we did get uh, information. I gave information to the Republican Party back in '95 when I 
first went into work in Congress in 95, gave them boxes and boxes of, uh, of uh, illegals, uh, proof that illegals were voting in our elections. They did nothing with it. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, there was something wrong. And at one time, I thought the Republicans were on our side. But the one good thing that Trump has done that I know of, he's exposed these rats to come out of their holes to show what slime balls they really are themselves. Congress is a criminal enterprise, a criminal enterprise. Right now, our government is being run by Muslims. Muslims. Now, and you just check, just check out, find out all the people that this uh, Muslim piece of garbage has uh, done to this country. It's amazing that the military hasn't gone in and arrested this guy and taken him out. He's destroying our country uh, little by little, and he's going to do as much damage as he can. Uh, he will try to uh, uh, create a race war, if he can, uh, to declare martial law. Uh, he knows he can't rely on our uh, troops. He'll bring in U.N. troops. There's all types of scenarios, I mean, and they're not pretty. Uh, I, you know, we, we have to do something. The only hope that I see that we have right now is Trump, if he is legitimate. I have some concerns about him, uh, some of his um, uh, connections, some of his uh, uh, friendships uh, are really kind of disturbing. But if he can do some of the things that he says uh, he wants to do, fine. But I don't think that the powers that be will let him do it. Uh, there's just too much money involved. Uh, the drug cartels, I know, are uh, giving a lot of money to the Democrats, uh, Republicans, both. Uh, they don't want a wall down there. It's going to make it much harder to get their product to market. Uh, uh, you're, you're talking, you know, billions of dollars uh, there with the drug cartels. You've got the Catholic Church uh, fighting against them because uh, they may receive a billion and a half dollars for refugee resettlement. Then uh, uh, everybody has just got their hand out. And they're destroying the country. They really don't care. I wanted to have Frank George on the show tonight because, like I said, he's originally from Cuba. And he's seen what's happened here. And he does want the same thing to happen to our country that happened to Cuba and also Venezuela. Venezuela, what a tragedy. Absolute tragedy. They're one of the richest oil-rich countries in the world. And the communist uh, Cubans, the Cubans have, have done it. They went in. They siphon everything out of uh, Venezuela. The people down there are starving. They can't get medical care. Uh, they have to take their own bandages and anything to the hospital. Uh, they have to eat dogs, uh, whatever, whatever's available. I went down to Venezuela because my wife is from Venezuela. I went down there many, many years ago. It's a beautiful country and beautiful people. And now the communists that are doing the same thing here just completely destroyed uh a beautiful country, and it's really a shame. I mean, people, you can't believe the way they have to live down there. And believe it or not, the same thing will happen here. It's called the boiling frog syndrome. It'll happen very slowly. I mean, you put a frog in a in a uh, hot uh, water, he'll jump out. But put the same frog in, in some cold water and then gradually turn up the heat. Before you know it, he's cooked, boiled. That's the boiling frog syndrome. And that is happening. Don't think it can't happen because it's already happening. It already has happened. Looks like we got Ray back. Looks like something happened with our communication down there. Ray, were you able to hear uh, uh, a thing about Maryland? Oh, just just a slight little bit, John. Not too much, no. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know if you heard the ending. Uh, she was uh, 
uh, killed by uh, Joe Kennedy while gave the order. Uh, Gia Khanna uh, carried out the order, and she was, uh, you know, a very distraught person at the time because they threw her aside. They treated her like crap. The Kennedys and also the mafia, and uh, they they killed her. They they just, uh, you know, and then everybody believed the uh, the nonsense that uh, you know she committed suicide. That's a bunch of crap. I, I talked to a couple of people that did films with her. I talked to Tony Curtis before he passed away, asked her what he thought of her, and he thought she was uh, very uh, bright and very funny. I talked to Jane Russell, who did a, a movie with her, Gentleman Fur Blondes, which really put her up at the top there, and she felt the same way. She was very bright, very funny. Uh, how, what's your feelings on it, uh, Ray? Well, the, uh, I've always kind of thought it. You're reading in between the lines. You don't ever know. But uh, I think Joe Kennedy actually gave the uh, go-ahead to kill his son, John, because he owed the, uh, the mob so much. He was so heavily in there. I think he actually decided to save his own life and sacrificed his, his son. So uh, No, no he, he didn't do that. Uh, we're going to be talking about JFK in a future show, probably the next couple of shows. Uh, JFK was killed by the CIA and the mafia. Uh, originally, they were going to kill Robert Kennedy first, uh, but somebody in the CIA uh, went to him and said, if you do that, uh, uh, JFK being president will destroy you, cut off the head, and we'll help you. Uh, Lyndon Johnson knew about it. Uh, Richard Nixon, uh, Jacob Hoover knew about it. But... Uh, that's who killed uh, uh, John Kennedy. We'll also be talking about Robert Kennedy when they saw that he was going to get into the reason why they wanted to kill Robert Kennedy. He was going after him as attorney general, really messing with him. And they were really upset because they felt that they got John F. Kennedy elected by their crooked uh, politics of voting in, in Chicago. So they felt betrayed. But then later, when they saw that uh, uh, he was going to possibly get into the White House, they had to do him in. And that was the mafia, also. The mafia and the yeah, CIA. Yeah, I'd say I, I wouldn't put past you know Joe Kennedy knowing that, uh, being involved with the mafia, knowing that was going to happen. He had no uh, control over it, you know, just basically, well, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But uh, you know, it's just all oh, there's just so much. <laughs> it just goes back and forth, uh, John, so much that I, there's nothing that I put past anybody in the government. And I think that the only reason we're finding out a little bit more today is because there's so much uh, information and misinformation out throughout the uh, with social media that more people have become aware. And uh, because of the current state our country is in, I think more people are paying attention before the the whole thing just goes to hell. But uh, yeah, the CIA, uh, the person, the person, the CIA, all indicators are it was George Her- Walker Bush uh, that uh, did that. Also, uh, uh, I've seen new evidence to show that uh, uh, this uh, senator from uh, Texas, his father looked like he was probably a handler of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald never fired a shot. Uh, he was a, like you said, a patsy. He never fired a shot, but we'll be getting into that uh, uh Possibly, uh, well, next week we're going to be talking about D.B. Cooper, and that's a pretty interesting story. Uh, D.B. Cooper, his real name was uh, Walter Pica. Uh, he passed away about a year and a half ago. The FBI knows, uh, worked with him. You'll find out uh, next week uh, the whole details. But uh, he was caught by the FBI three months after he jumped, and all this nonsense. Well, we're closing the case now because we don't know who it was. That's a bunch of, bunch of nonsense. 
The reason why I'm uh, releasing all this information now is because I, I'm tired of it. Uh, I stopped doing the show for a few years. I got ill, and I never thought I'd be doing the show again, but there's just so much uh, crap going on now. Uh, this all has to be exposed. And when I saw uh, the autopsy report of how they killed Sonny Bono and also my friend Ted Gunderson, I said somebody has to do something with these evil people. I mean, Washington, D.C. is nothing but pure evil. It's a criminal enterprise. These congressmen and senators are making millions of dollars. They could care less about you or me. Uh, they're being paid by the Muslims to destroy this country. Uh, they don't care if they destroy the country. They're making millions of dollars. So uh, it, it's just insane. Also, if you want to see a film, uh, I did documentary films for a number of years. I did about uh, eight or ten of them. Uh, one of them, Ray was in, Ray and his brother, where they were fired upon by Mexican military uh, on U.S. soil. Uh, that was a pretty scary incident. That's uh, Porter Out of Control. That's on YouTube. Uh, check that out. And you also see uh, my investigation into Mona Island down in Puerto Rico, uh, where uh, I found out from a Border Patrol agent that once illegal Cubans are processed, they get $10,000 in cash, free medical, and a low-interest business loan, which is simply, simply outrageous. Also, if you want to check uh, two of my books, uh, two of my books, one is Dead Angel, uh, that's about growing up with Jerry Garcia in San Francisco. Uh, that's on uh, uh, Amazon.com. My other book, Pozan, P-O-Z-A-N, that's on Amazon.com. And I'm working on a, a new book called Jump in the Darkness, the true story of D.B. Cooper. Uh, and uh, they'll try to discredit anything that you say that they're, they're working with. Again, uh, this is... Um, America Betrayed on uh, www.theamericanvoice.com. Uh, uh, check out, uh, go into the chat room, talk to people, uh, some pretty decent people in there. Uh, it's a great network. Uh, Frank, who uh, runs the network, has been a great ally for many years. He's been working his butt off uh, trying to get the word out, uh, not making millions of dollars like everybody else. He needs uh, money sent in to him to help him keep going. So. Uh, make sure you donate money to them. Uh, keep it going. And like I said, the next few weeks, we're going to be exposing uh, Martin Luther King, JFK, RFK, JFK Jr., Ted Gunderson, uh, D.B. Cooper. We're gonna, you're going to hear the true story, not the crap that uh, the controlled media is uh, giving you. Uh, I want to end the show with uh, thanking Ray for coming on for the full hour. I know you got disconnected there, Ray, but uh, it's great to hear Frank George again. We haven't heard him from a long time. And uh, I hope you stay safe down there, Ray, uh, down there so close to the border. I really, again, I don't know how you do it, but you do do it. And you remember Ray Stevens when we had him on the show years ago? That's right. Yeah, Ray Stevens, a yeah. uh, very nice man, very funny. Yeah, and uh, and I'm also a simulcast on YouTube. Uh, you can go to YouTube. Uh, I think you just uh, type in America Betrayed on YouTube, where it's a simulcast with my picture on there. That's on YouTube. So you can go there uh, wherever you want. And uh, I'm going to end the show with one of my favorite songs. I think it explains um, what's really happened in this country. But it's one of my favorite groups of all time. And very um, um, disheartening what happened to their whole group, which I feel is the same thing that's happening to our country. Very disheartening. And I hope we can get it turned around. So uh, here we go with uh, ABBA. 
Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to Wichita Homeless. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? Fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at D dgscoins.com that's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 that's 800-375-4188 protect yourself and your family Shanahan, and this is the Condition Critical Show. This is my live show for Tuesday evening, the 6th day of September 2016, five minutes past the 8 o'clock hour. Again, this is uh, my my new time slot has been for oh, about a month and a half, kind of liking it, or at least I get to still talk and say things, so there you go. Again, Tuesday night live show, 6th of September 2016. You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. That means you should go to the AmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com, ladies and gentlemen, and you should do that. That's the website for this network. If you want to get into the chat room, and perhaps the reason why the, the chat room isn't as active as it used to be, it could be a lot of reasons, but I think the sign-up procedure is 
There's uh, there's an additional step, and Frank, if you could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think you have to email Frank. You can't just do it directly through the uh, WordPress uh, website itself. You have to email him, I believe, your email address and perhaps even uh, the name that you want, and then he will activate you, and you will be able to then get into the chat room. So I suggest you do that. Beyond that, there is a donate link at AmericanVoiceRadio.com. That's the most important thing. And you should go there and donate $5 because Frank would appreciate it. So would I. I have a website, ConditionedCriticalShow.com. You should check it out. I have a blog. I try and stay as active on there as I can. I got lots of thoughts rolling around in my head. I actually have a blog post rolling around in my head right now that I may touch on while I may try and start uh, a little bit this evening so I can maybe talk about it on my show tomorrow uh, because this week starts my uh, week where I will be on two nights a week. So I will be on tomorrow night, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. as well. Okay, if I missed anything... Call in number 1-800-932-1980, all that stuff. If I, if I missed anything else, uh, well, just call in or, 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 or not. So let's just, uh, there's a lot to cover. And I'd say it often that, you know, I'm not on uh, every day. It would be ideal, you know, but I have a full-time job, and I really would like to be on uh, every day of the week. I mean, that, that, that's kind of my goal, really. I mean, that might sound like, I don't know, weird or whatever, but that's really is. That's my goal. I enjoy what I do. I think I'm getting better at it and so forth. And that, that is my goal is to be on five days a week. So, but I'm not. And so as a result of that, you know, the news passes, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the news cycle is, is very quick and things happen. And so there's a lot I, I really want to cover. I, mean, I can't. And some of the stuff I, that I want to cover, uh, you know, I kind of look at it. And actually this week, I've been helped out because uh, I lost all of my emails, and that's kind of how I store my news articles. And some of them I really wanted to talk about, but they're gone, and you know what? I didn't stress about it. It's no big deal because some of them were a week and a half, some two weeks old. And and so, hey, Melissa, how are you? It's good to see you. Uh, and so, and it, so it's fine. But there are some things I want to touch on that are very relevant uh, this evening. And... Maybe in the, let's just kind of just get right with it here. And I really want to talk about this Hillary Clinton thing. Frank and Al just really covered it pretty well. But I have my own thoughts on this. And I got this, you know, they're just kind of loose up in my head there. Here's the thing, first of all. Here's a couple of, here's a couple of observations that, that, that can't be ignored, and they can't be discounted just completely out of hand, and they can't just be like poo-pooed as people like to say, oh, that's nonsense. Hillary Clinton has some serious health issues. And I'm not a doctor. I'm just a truck driver. But she has some serious health issues. They talked about her coughing fits on the, the, the show just previous. She had, because Al said, why doesn't she just drop out? Why doesn't she have the, the dignity to just drop out? And that, Well, that's because she's insane, okay? That's why. It's, it's because she's insane and, and, and she's, you know, devious and, and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, could it be that maybe she's being now, now maybe she's being pushed by her own like regime that, that she created. If you catch my drift, I mean, it, maybe at one point she was the head of the monster, but the, the head's so sick now and, you know, and so 
you know, con- contaminated with, with whatever sickness and corruption and, 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 and all of this that, you know, it's almost where she can't function. Look, she doesn't do press conferences. She doesn't really answer questions. Apparently she can't because she co- has coughing fits and so forth. And even if she doesn't have coughing fits, she's a flat out, straight up freaking liar. Okay. And, and so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to formulate this as, as I'm talking, you know, that uh, maybe they're just, maybe now here's, here's this, you maybe now, you know, they're pushing her so much, you know, think about this now, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Now you really need to, to think about this and really consider what I'm about to say, because I, I, I wouldn't have considered this, two months ago, certainly six months ago or a year ago. And that is where they're looking for a means to not just throw the election, but to not actually have one. Okay. To not even actually have the election. Right. So follow me. You got two candidates and all of they talk about all is the, the, the basic narrative out there is that Hillary Clinton's the most qualified. Uh, and, and, and Obama made it, a point to say that and he said it he has said it repeatedly that she is the most qualified candidate to ever be president her husband bill clinton has recently come out and said that he can't think of another person that is more qualified to be president than his wife on the other hand uh donald trump is incompetent he doesn't have the temperament he's ill-tempered he's He's uh, he's everything negative. He's uh, unfavorable. Nobody likes him. And look, all that stripe, that is all bunk. And we know this. Okay. And so so what they're doing is they're pushing her now uh, to her grave, essentially, because the woman's not healthy. You can see she can barely walk up a flight of stairs. Um, I And don't look. I despise the woman, and she should be hung by the neck until dead. That would be more humane, I believe, or putting her in front of a firing squad. Now, obviously, both after her speedy trial for treason, okay, because that's what she deserves. So after her speedy trial for treason, of which she will be found guilty, she will be stood blindfolded and, and, you know, with a wall as a backstop and be shot dead by a firing squad, or she could be hung by the neck until dead. That, to me, would be more humane, I believe, I believe then kind of what I am starting to believe what is going on now. And that is that they are pushing this, this woman, they're pushing her now to into her grave and they, they are. And it's, it's kind of interesting to watch how they are doing this. I mean, we're supposed to, uh, you know, treat women different and we're not supposed to bully them and we're, you know, and all of this, there's all this, all be nice to the girl thing. And, and, and don't be that way to the girls. And you know how it all goes. You, you get the, the, all of that. You've heard it all before, but yet look what they're doing to this woman. Now I'm not saying again, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it because she's brought all of this on herself over the last 40, 45 years of her life where she's been nothing but a, a, a dirt bag. And that's just putting it mildly. Okay. So again, let, let's just stick with the, the possibility that they're looking for a means to, to not have this thing. Right. So they push Hillary into her grave. Okay. 
They're, I think that that's kind of, you can kind of see that. I think you can see both scenarios very clear, I believe. If you really take the time and look at it, the woman's not healthy, coughing fits, and she falls down, and she can't answer questions. And, and her, you know, sometimes it looks like she's, it looks like somebody just shone, like her shined a big spotlight in her face, and she, whoa, you know, and she's like dazed and confused, right? That's what they, that's what's going on with Hillary. And again, with Trump, you know, he's an idiot and he's incompetent and all this other stuff, right? So, and, and, and he's widely unpopular and nobody likes him and it's unbelievable. And, and you got Republicans abandoning him, whatever, you know, uh, what's his name? Jeff Flake, uh, the, the douchebag Senator from Arizona has, he's been in the news a lot lately. And I mean, a lot lately where he's not going to support Trump and he just can't and all this. And you have, and it's just a scenario where, okay, Hillary, at the end of the day, we're getting close to this thing, right? So the 11th hour is going to be, Hillary's obviously not, she's not going to be competent to, 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 to be president. Even if she wins a general election, the woman's not healthy, she's going to die, right? So we can't have the election, not just based on that, but based on nobody wants Trump because he's, because he's Donald Trump and all the things that the media is saying about him, right? So what's the... Uh, outcome or what is going to be the conclusion of that or what how's that so then what's going to happen next i don't know obama stays in there perhaps now he's given no indication that that he really wants to do that although although he has come out and said and this was about a few months ago even not six months or a year ago he has come out and said that he plans on staying in washington dc after his presidency for a time. He has already come out and said that. Now, is that like some kind of a precursor? Like, well, he's already going to be here. Now, look, this is all just, you know, just just idle talk. I'm not even going to say it's conspiracy talk because it's not. Because all this is really a distinct possibility, I believe. And again, I wouldn't put anything past, you know, the powers that be. Because if you look at all everything that's going on in the world... And you have to really look at what's going on in the world because it's what they've created. You know, things are things are collapsing. You know, their whole system that they've that they've been trying to put into place for the last seventy five years, people are starting to reject it. Not so much here, uh, like forcefully here, as 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 has been going on in like say Europe and in in other places where you've been having riots. Look what they're doing in France now. You have a a, a nearly nationwide. And I just read this this afternoon. I have the article in front of me, so I don't want to misreport it. But you have this trucker strike going on over there, and and they're they're planning on this being like long term. These truckers are saying that they're in it for a, of a long haul <clears throat> uh, because they of this mi- this one migrant camp I, somewhere in northern France, I believe. And again, I'll have the article in front of me, but you can just Google this stuff. And these migrants are harassing the truck drivers. They're stealing things. They're raping women. Uh, they're they're uh, assaulting uh, physically the truck drivers and they're damaging equipment and, and so forth. And you've seen these videos too. Okay. And so you have a lot going on uh, throughout the world. You have, you have countries like, uh, who was it just recently? North Korea going, screw you. We're going to go ahead and, 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 and test our uh, ballistic missiles. Cause uh, we think they're going to come in handy because of the lunatics that are in charge over there in the United States and so forth. And, and in, in, in Central Europe and, and what have you. And so, you know, these globalists and these powers that be, they really do. And I'm not saying that it's 
it's it's it's a it's complete or it's you know we've won that the globalism is 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 on its deathbed but globalism starting to get you know the monster that is globalism is i think starting to come to the realization that hey man uh it's no more you know it's no more uh we're going to advance this thing you know, just with good rhetoric. And that's what they, that's, that's, that's largely, at least here in the United States, how they've advanced globalism with their, with their fancy rhetoric. And and you can hear it from the Democrats and you can hear it from the Republicans too, by the way. Okay. So let's not make no mistake here that both parties, both parties are involved in, it gets back. I've gone over, you know, this before the establishment is both political parties, Republican and Democrat, and then the media. And look, I'm going to switch gears here just for a second because uh, I think I made my point there. I was watching, and I don't do this often, and I saw a snippet off some news program, and they were given a snippet off, I think it was either to face the nation or meet the depressed, otherwise known as face the nation. Remember those? And they're still on on Sundays or whatever, and then uh, meet the press or whatever. I forget which one it was. And they had Chris Christie on there, the governor of New Jersey, and the, whoever the, the guy was on this the face the nation program, whoever he was. And they're asked, and, and he's just grilling Christie on Trump's uh, building the wall thing, right? Well, what do you think? And, and they're just grilling. Do you think that's a good idea? And he's like, oh, and this is racism, blah, blah, blah. And Christie's like, hey, man, look, I don't want to talk about that. What about Hillary Clinton and her, uh, her, you know, whatever her latest scandal is in the emails, and that's what he was trying to talk about. He was kind of advancing that. And this moderator, or there wasn't a moderator, he was like the, uh, you know, the guy, right, the talking head. And he keeps going, well, okay, well, let's just get back to, to Trump. So do you think it's a good idea to build a wall? And Chris Christie just finally said, what are you talking about? He's there. Everybody thinks it's a good idea to have border security. Why do you keep going back there? And I'm like, and I only watched like a second of it. Not a second. It was more like a couple of minutes. But I'm going, I don't get it. Who doesn't think that, you know, having a border and guarding your border, who doesn't think that's a good thing? Well, the globalists don't think that's a good thing, okay? And so getting back to what I was talking about here just a second ago, the globalists, the globalists are starting to see that. Hey, man, it doesn't matter how you, how much, how many illegal aliens you can bring. You got, how many more thousands of savage Muslims and and the little brown bastards from Mexico that you're going to bring up here? And and Hillary Clinton just came out recently again and said these are good people. And 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 Donald Trump is just disparaging a good, hardworking people, and that's going to come back, and he's going to regret having said some of the things that he said. And I'm like, you ignorant. Winch. People are starting to reject that. They're starting to reject globalism. Frank and Al talked about uh, building uh, the Hoover Dam and how we used to build things. And, and I'm like, that's right. We did used to build things. We used to have factories, too, where we built cars and where we built washing machines and, and where we manufactured soup cans and where we manufactured bicycles. And we had all of this infrastructure. We had roads that weren't crumbling. We had bridges that, you know, you had to, you know, cross your fingers and wing in a prayer and just hope you made it to the other side. Otherwise, you're in Davy Jones's locker. So we had all of this stuff going on as recently as 25 years ago. Well, maybe longer than that. 
certainly in the 80s, there was still some of that going on. But that doesn't go on anymore in this country. We don't make anything in this country. What do we make in this country now? Public school teachers, that's what we manufacture now? And so just to close this out, because we're getting close to break, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really shift gears in the second part of the program here. I want to talk about Chicago. And uh, apparently they just had another, 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 I don't know, uh, what do you want to call it? Another gold star murder-filled weekend on the streets of Chicago. Unbelievable. Hold on. Uh, well, Melissa, I see you in the chat room. And I think you're, I see you're going to check out. Well, uh, it's good seeing you in the chat room, Melissa. You take care of yourself. Anyway, let's continue on. I got a couple of minutes before the break. Look, guys, the reason I brought up the media and meet the depressed, and then there was something else I was watching, uh, you know, and I don't, again, I don't watch TV, but, you know, in the lunch break room or whatever, I, they'll maybe have CNN or they'll have something on, and I'll watch it. It's, and look, I switched radio stations, you know, for traffic reports because the other one is so blatantly biased. It's, tr- it's, it's, a, it's one Trump story after another. Trump did this today. Trump did that today. Never nothing about Hillary. Nothing. I mean, what's the worst thing you can accuse Trump of? He said he wanted to build a wall? Are you kidding me? And Hillary Clinton has this email scandal that just won't go away. Why? Because that's real. It really happened. She did it. She did it. And she's lied about it. And it's not a small thing. It is not a small thing for what she did. It's a big deal for her to say, well, I didn't know. And it's, isn't it great how she throws people under the bus? Oh, well, people knew about it, you know, or, uh, hey, I told them. Or, hey, uh, my subordinate told me I could do it, so it's not my fault. Or, I didn't know what the word C meant. Well, I, to me, the word C, as it refers to Clinton, means something entirely different. You can figure that one out for yourself. But for her to say, oh, I didn't know, she was the Secretary of State. And, and, and all they can do is, is keep going back to Trump. Oh, he said he wanted to build a wall. He's such a racist. Are you kidding me? And they're going to keep harping on that. If I were Trump, I would dispose of it. I would dispense with it and tell him, go to hell. Okay, you just go ahead and forget it and you just wait and see. What are we talking about here? We're going to build a wall. Like I said last week, there should be a wall 10,000 feet high with all the talk and all the, the, the rhetoric about building a wall. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I see we're getting close to the break here. And I just want you to consider some of the things that I've just, you know, presented, because I think it's really a distinct possibility. Number, number one, Hillary Clinton is not healthy. She is not going to make it. She is unfit on many levels to be the president. And the way that they're demonizing Trump, when it comes down to the end of the day, I think they're going to be able to say Hillary Clinton's not fit. We can't have the ele- election for those two reasons. She's not fit and nobody wants Trump, which is a lie, which is a lie. It's something that the media is trying to manufacture every day on every, every network. They're trying to paint him. It's one thing after another that makes, that it has no basis. And nobody really cares what, a wall or it's, he, he said Trump University, who cares? He's saying things that actually mean something, has said things that actually would mean something and make differences to everyday people's lives. I hear the music, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you after the break. 
found that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Well, that was abrupt. I take it that the music ended abruptly. Welcome back. Second half of the Condition Critical Show. A little bit of Iron Maiden there covering Jethro Tull's Cross-Eyed Mary, along with 80s heavy metal band Riot. It is now 41 minutes past the 8 o'clock hour. My live show for Tuesday evening, 6th day of September 2016. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. We'll close out the administrative stuff at the end of the show uh, because I wanted to uh, get into what's going on in Chicago. I don't think I saved the, uh, I thought I did, but see, let me see here. Ways in. Uh, I thought I saved it. Let me see. Maybe I did. Let's see if this is the one here. I want to talk about Chicago and there was one particular article uh, that I wanted to uh, talk about was this the one? Give me one second, ladies and like I said, I love this. Now this is the latest one here. I guess I could start off with this one, but I don't want to start off with that one. So let's just go back uh, and see if I can't find the one I was looking for, ladies and gentlemen. Again, as I said, I lost. Here it is. I lost all my emails, so I had to search for this article, and here it is. Okay, so we all know what's going on in Chicago, right? And and we, at least we all should, because it's being reported on, and they're having their worst year. I mean, every week sets a record for the amount of shootings and homicides, by the way. And, uh, you know, this week or this past weekend is no different. They set another record, and I'll get to that. That'll be the next article. Here's the headline. Chicago searches for answers to stem, stem surging murder toll. And I'll just read from the article, but, but you know... You can maybe just kind of guess what they're going to blame it on. You know, if like if I had to ask you to guess just by just reading the headline and I had to say, can you just guess? Can you give me like two or three guesses as to what they're going to? Yeah. You know, what do you think that, that the powers that be, you know, the police chief and, uh, you know, the mayor and the, the president and all these people, politicians. And lo and behold, Jesse Jackson is involved in this. And so let's just get on with the article here because. It's unbelievable. Headline Chicago. Yeah, exactly. It's all them states that don't forbid. Yeah, exactly, Frank. Well, let's just start off here. After the city's most violent month in over 20 years, civil rights and community leaders in Chicago are grappling to find answers and even looking to President Obama for help to stem the bloodshed in the nation's third largest city. The grim death toll of 92 murders in August marks a low point and what has been a difficult year for the nation, nation's third largest city. A difficult year. You know, when I'm having a difficult time, it doesn't usually involve murder. You know, I don't know. I don't know that they would, I think they would want to maybe reclassify. But see how they do that? I mean, you've got, what was it again here? 92 murders in August. Not for the year. That's just the month of August, ladies and gentlemen. And they're, they're calling that the, 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 the difficult times. I would think those 92 people would think it's more than just a difficult time. Already the city, now here, check this out. Already the city has recorded 474 murders. And now that was as of this headline, which is dated two days ago. So what are we looking at? The, uh, what is that? The, 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 uh, the, the 4th of September? So it's up now. Uh, I think it's. I think you got to add like fifteen or more or twenty to that. That's the next headline or the next 
news article is going to point that out. About 47% more killings than Chicago tallied at the same point last year, and more murders than New York and Los Angeles combined. Not Topeka, Kansas, and Tupelo, Mississippi combined. Uh, not Timbuk7, Indiana, and Timbuk8, uh, Wyoming uh, combined. No, ladies and gentlemen, New York, the largest city in the country, and Los Angeles, probably the fifth or fourth or maybe second largest city in the country. I don't know how, it, uh, the, the, how they, they go numerically anymore by largest city. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm not having a coughing fit, by the way. So let's continue on. It's the most murders in Chicago. It's the most murders Chicago has recorded in a single month since June of 93 when the city tallied 99 murders, according to police department data. Back then, the city was grappling with gang warfare in the midst of the crack cocaine epidemic, and the city recorded 855 murders for the year. That would have been 1993. Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson, listen now, has blamed the recent surge in killings on increased gun act or gang activity and gun laws he says are too weak to be an effective deterrent. Okay, there, uh, Chief Superintendent Eddie Johnson, Chicago Police Department. He has, now this is a direct quote from him, the gun laws are too weak to be an effective deterrent. Well, you can't have any guns there. It's illegal. How much more stringent does that need to be? Guns are illegal. Zero tolerance. Can't have them. So now what? Where do you go from there? How do you get more strict than that? I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious. How do you get more strict than you can't have any? Got to reach for my water. Give me one second. Okay. Sorry. Pardon me. Let's see what Frank posted in the chat room in 2014. The whole state of Oregon for the whole year had 81 murders for the whole year, ladies and gentlemen, in 2014. Wow. Wow. Or is that, is that true, Frank? Is that, that's, that's astonishing. 81 for the whole year in Oregon. How are them gun laws down there in Oregon? Well, Oregon's a pretty gun-friendly state. Albeit you have places like Salem and and probably Eugene Springfield area and certainly Portland that are very anti-gun, but as a whole, just like up here in Washington. And so are we. And as Frank is pointing out in the chat room, Oregon is a shall issue state that's for concealed carry purposes, meaning you go out, do the background check, and if you come back clean, they have to give it to you. There's no, well... Nah, never, nah, psych, you're not going to get it. That's what a shall issue means. Yes, and it's an open carry state. The same up here in, uh, up here in uh, Washington, we are an open carry state as well. Up here, and I occasionally, and when I say occasionally, I mean like rarely. And it's only because I don't have, and I have decent holsters, but I, I, I just, I just, it just doesn't work for me. You know, but I have open carry, and I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't. I have no problem with open carry. Let me continue on with this article. Now, again, I want to just reiterate, because I'm running out of time, that the chief, this, uh, the, the chief uh, Chicago police superintendent named Eddie Johnson has blamed the recent surge in killings and increased gang activity. Well, that's always been there. When they say increased gang activity, that's, that's bunk. They always have gang activity. It's really never increasing. In fact, sometimes it, it probably decreases more than it increases. 
Now, hey, I'm not a, a police statistician or a crime statistician, okay? That's just my kind of general observation. In other words, there's always gang activity, so it's not really necessarily increased. That's always there. But to say that the, the gun laws are too weak to be an effective deterrent, really? Well, that doesn't make any sense there, you idiot. Quote, the historical cycle of violence we have seen in some communities must come to an end, Johnson said. He further went on to, quote, repeat gun offenders who drive the violence on our streets should not be there in the first place. And it is time changes uh, to the, it's time to, and like, and it's not, you know, how these aren't written right. And, and it's time to change the laws to ensure these violent offenders are held accountable for their crimes. I agree, but it, you, we know how that goes, especially, now let me just continue on before I commentate. So it continues. Police note that the increase in gun violence in Chicago is concentrated to about five police districts on the south and west sides of the city. The neighborhoods are predominantly Amish and suffer from deep levels of prosperity. Well, wait a minute. Let me, let me start over. Police note that the increase in gun violence in Chicago is concentrated to about five police districts on the south and west sides of the city. Those neighborhoods are predominantly, okay, not Amish, they're predominantly African-American and suffer from deep levels of not prosperity, but poverty. That's what I meant to say. The vast majority of murder victims and assailants are on the police department's strategic subject list. Now, there's a link to that, by the way. Interesting, I'm not going to click it right now, but they have a list, and it's called the strategic subject list. I thought we weren't supposed to profile people. I thought that that would be racist. A predictive roster that department that the department generates by crunching arrest information, gang affiliation, shooting patterns, and other data to determine people most likely to be involved in a shooting. The list includes about 1,400 people. Hmm. 1,400 people in a city of, I don't know, a kajillion? Seems pretty simple, or it would seem pretty easy to go out and round those guys up. It's only 1,400 people? They just don't want to. Johnson cited a yet-to-be-published analysis cited by researchers at the University of Chicago Crime Lab of 2015 murder numbers in a city that found nearly 40% of those arrested last year for homicides had previous arrests for gun crimes. No, you don't say. While Johnson and Mayor Rahm Emanuel have spoken out about the need for tougher gun laws to deter habitual offenders, some activists and politicians said the issue won't be solved until federal, state, and local officials, uh, officials create jobs and other opportunities in the most violent, plagued neighborhoods. Well, see, that's what Trump's talking about. That's why he was just in Detroit recently. He said, man, I'm here to listen. He had Ben Carson with him, and Ben Carson said, hey, you know, this was once one of the most prosperous cities. His hometown, he said was just as recently as 25 or certainly 30 and certainly 50 years ago was one of the most prosperous cities on the face of the earth. But not anymore. It's a, it looks like Beirut. If you look at pictures of Beirut, Lebanon to this day, you, you, you may as well be looking at pictures of Detroit. And look, I used to be fond of Detroit. I hauled steel when I was an over the road truck driver. I used to fondly, I used to like going to Detroit. It's a, it's a cool city. I grew up blue collar. I grew up in the Pittsburgh area. I grew up around the steel mills, and that was my heritage. And the coal mines of southwestern Pennsylvania. But you don't have those things anymore. 
You got 7-Elevens now, and you got super Walmarts, and you got mass unemployment, and you have people that don't see future. They don't, and they don't have a future. Oh, yeah, you know, you can go join the military and be sent off to some freaking meat grinder somewhere to go, uh, to go act as some functionary for a criminal operation that is based in Washington, D.C., and to do what? Who knows? Nobody knows. And God forbid you get sick or you get injured while you're serving in the military or, or, or that you get, like, really physically injured so you can then, what, come home and go sit in a VA hospital and get, you know, treated like a piece of garbage? You kidding me? I'm going to continue on with this article, though. I just have a few more minutes. I'm not going to get to the other one. Uh, I apologize because there's an important part of the article and it's coming up right now. Civil rights leader. Here he is. The Reverend Jesse Jackson on Thursday called on President Obama to convene a summit on urban violence and to come visit, visit his adopted hometown, his adopted hometown. I thought that's where he was from. Anyway, adopted hometown to talk about the issue. Jackson noted that the president has repeatedly visited communities across the USA during his presidency after they have suffered mass shootings to mourn with the victims' families and talk about the larger issue of gun violence. Well, first of all there, Jesse, what's going on in Chicago is not a mass shooting event, if, any, if that even exists. Okay, That's, these, are, these are different things there, you moron. Okay, and... The issue of gun violence, I don't know why there's gun violence in Chicago. You're not supposed to have a gun. Case closed. Yeah, exactly, Frank. Or blow your brains out in the parking lot after being denied a treatment. It's despicable uh, what, what, what goes on uh, there, Frank, and you're, you're correct. When 49 people were killed in Orlando, this is a quote. Now, um, this is a continued quote from the, uh, the so-called Reverend Jesse Jackson. When 49 people were killed in Orlando, it got attention from the president and vice president, said Jackson, who announced plans to convene a series of town hall meetings in Chicago's neighborhoods most affected by the violence. When, another quote, when Sandy Hook happened, there was a visit from the president. When it happened in Colorado, there was a visit. We can't get a visit. We need a plan to deal with the causes and cures of the violence. End quote. <clears throat> the White House didn't immediately respond to Jackson's criticism. Well, I guess you can't blame uh, the president for being a racist, can you? How, how inconvenient. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're kind of licking around the edges. I mean, where is the guy? But you can bet your bottom dollar if this had been George Bush or, let's say, even Hillary Clinton. Let's just fast forward to after this upcoming election, if it's going to happen, and, and, and the dirtbag that is Hillary Clinton gets in, or say Donald Trump gets in, you can bet it it would be racist, racist, racist. Now, they're not going to say that about Obama because that's not what they do, do, even though he's half of a black or half of a white guy. Anyway, then again, the White House didn't immediately respond to Jackson's criticism. I mean, why would they? Jesse Jackson has been irrelevant for at least the last 20 years. Where is he? He's out of the lane. Exactly. Where is a, I mean, why would a, hey, if, if you were the president, would you want to go to Chicago? Even if it were your adopted hometown, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, why go to Chicago when you can be golfing in Palm Springs? Give me a break. White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest uh, did weigh in earlier this week on the surge of gun violence in Chicago, suggesting that the news media pays more attention to mass shootings than the daily scourge of shootings that impact 
urban centers like Chicago, whatever. I'm not suggesting that the media shouldn't pay attention to those issues, but what gets much, uh, but what gets much less attention are the kind of day-to-day outbursts of gun violence that we see primarily in America's inner cities. In other words, nobody cares about black-on-black crime. You, you, you porch monkeys, go ahead and 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 just you know kill each other because that that's what you be doing. Oh wait a minute, did I just say an offensive? Did I just use a derogatory term for our greatest natural resource, which is our African American community? Did I just say porch monkey? I apologize. I didn't mean to say that, but I was trying to prove a point that Josh Ernest is an idiot. Uh, the article goes on and on and on, and and I don't have a lot of time. In addition to the rising homicide toll, the city has experienced 384 non-fatal shootings for the month of August. The city has recorded more than 2,300 non-fatal shootings for the year, an increase of more than 48%. Arrests for illegal possession of guns are up about 5% for the year compared to the same time last year. The police department has also seized nearly 6,000 weapons from the streets of Chicago this year during arrests and voluntary gun turn-ins, an increase of 22%. The city has seen 28 people under the age of 17 killed since the start of the year. All the victims were black or Latino, said Richard Boinkin, a Cook County commissioner whose district includes parts of the city's west side that have been the hardest hit by the blah, 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 blah. We have a state of emergency, Boinkin said. We have a crisis. Yeah, you do. And the crisis is you, you flippin' moron. You are the crisis. You have created it, you idiot. I'll, get, I'll continue on. Uh, tomorrow because I'm running I've run out of time look ladies and gentlemen I say it every week wherever you are on God's God's green earth wherever it is you may be you need to become all that you can be and become a domestic terrorist because obviously they fear terrorists because the only way we're going to take our country back ladies and gentlemen is by force because freedom comes from the sword God bless you all see you tomorrow evening Right here, I told you they're closing the military bases. President Clinton said, well, I'm not going to be involved in that closing. Little did most of the American people know, it says in this uh, San Jose Mercury article, it says in his speech in San Francisco, Gorbachev announced that his foundation is creating a national task force on U.S. military base closings. The head of the KGB, the head of the, Uni- of the USSR, United Socialistic Soviet Republic, when they went into Afghanistan and had genocide, is closing the U.S. military base. I don't know whether that concerns you or not. But it shocked me when I found that out. Then I found out that they're making these bases into federal prison facilities under... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.